Blog Talk Radio. Support our conscious effort for sustained humanity. Human beings, human love on a spiritual tip. So vast, so great. The African. Live beyond love beyond your skin to where you belong. Original one. Hip hop, 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 hip hop,
Piscataway Indian Nation singers and dancers have been touring the world in an attempt to break stereotypes and educate others about the history of their people. Their leader and narrator, Mark Tyak, is the son of a 28th generation Piscataway chieftain. When his father passes, it will be his turn to lead his tribe. During a ceremonial war dance, James Edwards displays the American Indian virtue of mercy by not striking his target. Steve Conway demonstrated what is called a men's grass dance. These were often used by American Indians to flatten grassy plains before making camp. Here Eagle Boy Co. leads sophomore elementary education and engineering major Melissa Zichkowski in a rabbit dance, traditionally done by couples. Conley took the stage yet again to demonstrate a ring dance, an age-old tradition of forming shapes with rings, things like eagles, turtles, and the world. Co. performed an eagle dance, while Tayek explained the origin of the term Indian as it is used to describe Native Americans. The term came from Columbus, who, after being taken in by natives, affectionately dubbed them Indios, Spanish for in God. We would like to welcome you to African Liberation Month. That's right, African Liberation Month. You're listening to the voice of Brother Africa, co-host of this particular activity for African Liberation Month under the banner of the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Honored to be part of a legacy, a tradition, an institution that has been in existence for over 64 years and also to be in association and solidarity with the Palestine and Akba Day, which is also an institution being in existence for 74 years. We come to you as a special program in conjunction with the All African People's Revolution Party, D.C., and we're going to share with you 
some particular organizations, movements, and struggles that are impacting our world, impacting our community, and we must find a way to work together so we can have a better future and a better humanity and a just humanity for all people. As a co-host today, I have with me my co-host, Anthony Williams, who is an organizer for the All-African People Revolutionary Party, GC. And we're going to try a little something different, so I want you all to work, um, bear with us and work with us. Um, one of the things, like always, you can make the best of plans, but that doesn't mean always oh, going to go that way. So we're going to be doing some, um, some creative stuff as we go through this program. So bear with us, and, um, you know, we're going to give you the, our best because you deserve that. So, Brother Anthony, what I'd like to do right now is just let our people know that the last uh, clipping they were listening to was on Brother Chief Billy Kayak of the Piscataway Nation. Uh, always when we do our program, we always want to pay knowledge and homage to the indigenous people of the Western Field, West, Western Hemisphere, and the true owners of this land. So this was our way of making that knowledge meant to the indigenous people. So, Brother Anthony, I can turn the mic over to you right now where you can talk about this year overall theme, African Liberation Day, and the things that will be discussed today and then follow through with our first particular presenter. Brother Anthony, welcome to African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. Thanks for having me, uh, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings, Africans and friends of Africa. On behalf of the AAP, PRP, GC, we would like to welcome you to our 46th commemoration of African Liberation Day, Palestine Not By Day. Our overall theme for African Liberation Day, Palestine Day month this year is unleashing an offensive of 64 years of African Liberation Day and Palestine not by day, intensifying the revolutionary struggle against capitalism and imperialism, Zionism and neocolonialism, forward to Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. Our program today will focus on two topics, generations of resistance, rebellion, and revolution. We demand the right to return to Palestine, Africa, and all indigenous lands. And 500 years of resisting imperialist aggression, from Soweto to Wounded Knee, national liberation is an act of culture. We will have representatives from several organizations that will be speaking to these topics today and describing how they are struggling against uh, imperialism, capitalism, Zionism, neocolonialism, racism, all other forms of exploitations of one human being by another. Uh, we are opposed to all forms of exploitation. As Pan-Africanists, we seek one unified socialist Africa. 
and we and uh, that is our goal because that is the ultimate solution to the problems Africans are facing worldwide, at home, and in the diaspora. At this time, uh, let's see. Uh, we would. Uh, uh, I would like to bring before you uh, our comrade uh, Peter Landros, Landros of the American Movement Midwest, and he will talk about uh, his organization and his role inside the American Indian Movement. Hello, <clears throat> hello everyone. Um, introduce myself. My name is Peter Guadalupe Landeros. I'm a Pascoyaki Indian from Southern Arizona. I live in the state of Maryland in the Washington, D.C. area the majority of my life. And I am the director of American Indian Movement in the state of Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania. Um, the group's called AIM Woodlands Territory. Um, to talk about what AIM has done for us as Native Americans, um, it's brought recognition back to my people as Native Americans, indigenous people of the continent of the United States, called the United States of America. Um, in 1968, AIM was formed originally to combat police brutality in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, um, where they had you know, police officers beating Native Americans, arresting us for no reason. The same thing that's still going on today. Um, but it turned into so much more um, with the activities that happened. Um, just to mention a few, the takeover of Alcatraz, a second wounded knee, and um, take over the BIA building here in Washington, D.C. Um, because of AIM, American Indian Movement, it brought along a lot of changes and a lot of pride back to the Native American people. Um, number one, it showed the country that we're still here and we're still a viable people. Number two, it brought us more freedom in the aspect of, of getting the federal government and state governments and local governments to recognize treaty rights and to give us a uh, right to our own lands and to bring change on the reservations uh, throughout this country. Uh, one of the biggest accomplishments has got to be the um, Freedom of Religion Act in 1978. Uh, now, we are the original people of this continent, and it was written in the law that we weren't allowed to practice our religion. If we weren't practicing the Christian or Catholicism, we were against the law. Um, it even got so far on the books of a lot of states where if uh, more than five Native American men, women, and or children 
were to congregate off the reservation, it would be considered a war party and put down by any means. A lot of the videos that you see today of us dancing at powwows and uh, different festivals were all illegal up until 1978. And it's because of the American Indian movement that we are now allowed to practice uh, gatherings like powwows. We're supposed to have religious freedom, but we still don't. On some reservations, they won't allow us to do our ceremonies. Um, or even off the reservation, they won't allow us to do our ceremonies. Um, we've had a lot of fights with uh, the federal government, state governments, when it comes to uh, water rights and land rights that uh, we hold them accountable for uh, killing off a lot of the indigenous animals in the area because the only thing they're worried about is uh, selling the land for profit. Uh, some of the things that I've done, uh, instrumental in getting the name changed from the Washington football team to what it is now, uh, organized protests, uh, sent letters off to their uh, people that supported them financially and eventually they listened and they pulled their money and the team had to change the name. I wish they would have changed the name to honor us and not because they were losing money, but money talks. Also, uh, we have a huge campaign in this area going on to try to educate everybody about the, the indigenous murder of missing women. Uh, I travel from powwows and different events to speak on that uh, as much as I can because it's an important topic. Uh, Native American women are 90, 95% more likely to be raped or face some sort of uh, sexual abuse or domestic violence in their lifetime, the highest in any category. Also, um, not a new uh, topic, but something that's been in the social media a lot lately is the boarding school system and how they found right now over 10,000 uh, unmarked graves of Native American children that uh, never had a chance to go home. And we're trying to... Um, get the governments of Canada and the United States to recognize that this is an ongoing problem in our community. And to educate everybody, the last boarding school closed in 1997. That's not that long ago. And the atrocities that happened to us as uh, Indian people uh, in those school systems are horrific. And that's a whole other show for a different time. Okay, right now we'd like to thank Peter. Tell him to hold on. We're coming back with our Q&A section. We're not quite sure. Um, there are a lot of people who want to find more about what's really going on with the, with the, with the indigenous people. And we also, at this point in time, we will bring Penny William Gamma. He's a representative of the indigenous people movement 
And right now, we would like to bring Penny in and welcome her to African Liberation Day, Palestine Day Month. So, the Penny, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you um, for having me on. And hello to Pete, you know, my friend Pete, um, who covered quite a, quite a bit of, of information. Um, one thing that I'm, uh, I would like to share, and so many indigenous people feel the same way, and that is what is happening to the environment and basically what's happening to Mother Earth. Um, we look at the Earth as our mother. Uh, in the language of the Wampanoag, I am a Chappaquiddick Wampanoag, and we call Mother Earth Aki. And Aki means mother, and that's where we get everything that we need, all of our materials, water, um, the soil to grow our plants, to grow our crops, things that were done traditionally and things that are really hard to do right now in, in, in many respects um, because of what is happening uh, to the water, to the air. And uh, this is really um, at the forefront um, with many of our movements right now. So I just wanted to talk about that. Uh, and then just look at how indigenous peoples around the world are being treated. Um, the disregard for our culture and traditional ways. Uh, the disrespect uh, that so many indigenous people are feeling every single day. These are some of the things that are at the forefront. And these are some of the things that have to be addressed. And I also like to say that there is um, a disconnect the way people are, are treating one another. Um, there is a lack of respect for indigenous knowledge. And what's kind of interesting is, I guess, maybe uh, 15 years ago, NASA decided that they wanted to sit down with indigenous people and uh, talk about uh, environmental changes that are happening. And I think they did that in the Arctic um, because there was a denial that um, things were changing. And that was uh, really quite interesting when that article came out um, that NASA was, um, you know, concerned and wanted to sit down and, and, and listen. Um, I don't know how much of that is happening right now, but it's important for um, the indigenous uh, voices to be heard. That's basically the statement and what I'd like to share right now. Okay, Penny, you hold on, and we're going to our next guest right now. We have with our sister Charlotte. Kate, she is the international coordinator for Sodom Adun Palestinian Prisoner Solidarity Network. We'd like to welcome to African Liberation Day, Palestine Day Month. Sister Charlotte, welcome. Thank you so much. 
It's an honor to be here with you today, and thank you so much for inviting um, me and uh, the Samuel Yoon Network to join uh, this program, this very important program. I want to um, begin by noting that I'm calling today from the unceded and occupied territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples known as Vancouver. The Samadun Network, the Samadun Palestinian Prisoner Solidarity Network, expresses its strongest solidarity with the indigenous people's struggle for liberation, as well as with the African people's struggle for unity and liberation. Um, the work of Sami Dun is focused on campaigning for the liberation of the over 4,500 Palestinians jailed as political prisoners in the uh, occupation prisons of the Zionist regime. Of those, approximately 600 are jailed without charge or trial under administrative detention, um, which can be indefinitely extended for any period of time, meaning that many Palestinians are jailed for years at a time without ever even being charged or tried before the colonial courts. They include hundreds of children, dozens of women, many elders, many very ill um, patients who require medical care that they are systematically denied. Um, and these Palestinian prisoners are from all parts of occupied Palestine, from occupied Palestine 48, the West Bank, Gaza, and Jerusalem. In the past several days, the images and collective mourning of the Palestinian people for the journalist Shireen Abu Akhla, who was shot down by occupation forces as she reported on their um, illegal invasion of Janine Camp to attack the Palestinian resistance has um, captured the attention of millions of people around the world and certainly of, of the Palestinian and Arab population. And so what we've seen um, in response has been a, a massive outpouring of Palestinians to the streets to not just mourn a beloved journalist whose voice and name was known in everyday houses um, throughout occupied Palestine and throughout the Arab region, but also um, to call for liberation of Palestine from the river to the sea. And in response, this mobilization of Palestinians, even just with the thousands and tens of thousands that poured into the streets of her home city, the Palestinian capital of Jerusalem, to join in her funeral, were brutally attacked by occupation forces who started beating the pallbearers, bearing her casket, almost in a, an attempt to force them to drop it. But they wouldn't drop her casket. Instead, they raised it high and continued to march forward. And it was the case that Palestinian flags filled the streets of Jerusalem, and it was possible to see a vision of what a liberated Palestine could look like, free of occupation and oppression. Um, for in Palestinian political prisoners have also joined in um, these messages and sentiments of outrage and mourning for the assassination of Shireen Abu Akhla. Palestinian women prisoners in Damon prison said, we, the prisoners, consider the targeting of the journalist Shireen as the targeting of the truth-tellers and supporters of the cause of our people, including the cause of the prisoners' movement, in which media plays a meaningful role, in addition to exposing the reality of the occupation and its brutal practices against our people. 
whether through killing, home demolitions, or arrests. The martyrdom of the outstanding journalist Shireen Abu Akhla must not pass without accountability and must motivate the conscience of the world to hold the killers accountable, those who have targeted Shireen and the Palestinian people in general. And the Palestinian prisoners movement also um, issued a statement saying that the martyr journalist Shireen Abu Akhla carried the cause of the homeland and our cause, that of the prisoners, on her shoulders. Today, her people carry her on their shoulders. We are there from inside the cells and behind the walls. We carry you in our hearts and memories as you have always been with us. Now, of course, the Palestinian prisoners, um, just like Palestinian journalists like Shireen Abu Akhla, are not only victims of 74 years of occupation and even more years of colonization um, by the Zionist movement and, and by the British before this, um, the Palestinian prisoners are leaders of the Palestinian resistance. And indeed, what we are seeing is that the Palestinian resistance is struggling, is fighting on a military level. The resistance in Gaza is perhaps stronger than it has ever been in the past. On a popular level, Palestinians throughout occupied Palestine and everywhere in exile and diaspora are taking to the streets and mobilizing. Um, just this weekend, May 14th and 15th, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of mobilizations uh, to mark the commemoration of the 74th anniversary of the Nexa. And in 1948, this is when the vast majority of the Palestinian population, hundreds of thousands of people, were forcibly expelled from their homes and lands by Zionist militias seeking to establish the Zionist project in occupied Palestine, the settler colonial uh, entity known as Israel. And in this process, um, the, the Nakba meant not just people being forced from their lands, but it meant the destruction of villages, the massacre of elders and women and children and men. Um, this meant the rape of women. This meant the creation of forced labor camps to exploit and extract the labor of the Palestinian population. This meant the burning of mosques. This meant the destruction of homes. Um, this was a brutal moment that was a dedicated campaign to steal Palestinian land and remove Palestinians from their land and claim it for the Zionist project that was backed to the hilt by imperialist forces, um, by the British, by the French, by U.S. imperialism. In fact, the founders of Zionism were very clear that their project was um, not in any way a project of justice, or liberation or self-determination instead it was a colonial project to be allied with the interests of the west in order to suppress the interests of the peoples of the region the palestinian people and the arab people which has a logical link with africa which has a logical link with asia um, in fact what we saw at the time that african and arab liberation movements um, held their hands together and held their arms together from Egypt to Algeria um, throughout the region, the promise of Arab and African liberation were not in competition with each other, but instead were directly linked in the struggle against imperialism. And this is not something that is simply a relic of the past. 
but is necessary for a future vision of justice and liberation in Palestine. Um, the Palestinian liberation movement has a long history of working together with national liberation movements of peoples um, around the world seeking justice and liberation. And, so to, and today, that liberation movement is continuing and continuing to seek and pursue the return of the now millions of refugees who locked outside of their homes and lands and homeland for over 74 years because of the settler colonial project that is sitting atop their occupied lands. Um, they are seeking the liberation and freedom and justice of all people in occupied Palestine, something that only can come with the defeat and dismantlement of the Zionist project from the river to the sea. And within this context, the Palestinian prisoners and the Palestinian resistance are leading this movement for justice, for liberation, for return. And at the core, this is, in the words of Hassan Kanafani, not a cause for Palestinians only. It is the cause of the oppressed and exploited masses, and it is the cause of every revolutionary in our era. The Palestinian cause faces imperialism, faces Zionism, faces Arab reactionary regimes that work um, at, at the hands and for the projects of imperialism. But the true allies of the Palestinian cause are the national liberation movements and the people's liberation movements of the world, um, including and especially indigenous and African liberation movements, both of which have many political prisoners who are also giving and sacrificing their lives on the front lines for justice and liberation. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to be with you today and to express a message of solidarity on behalf of Sami Dune Network and to express the sentiments of the Palestinian political prisoners movement. Uh, thank you, Sister Solid. We'll come back to you right now. We'll make our transition to El Tajiril. He's an organizer for the African Community Network in Virginia. Brother Jibril, welcome to African Liberation Day, Valentine's Day. Yes, sir. Uh, Good afternoon. Uh, good morning for some people. Good afternoon for everybody, uh, somebody else. Um, thank you so much, Brother Ali, uh, for the invite. And uh, it's always been a pleasure for me uh, to join uh, your show and uh, to uh, give a little contribution um, on behalf of the African Community Network of Virginia. Um, they, are, they are a non-profit organization. Um, uh, We've been working uh, on the field trying to bridge the gap um, between uh, brothers and sisters here on the, in the diaspora and the African uh, community coming just newly in the last 30, 20, 30, uh, 40 years in the United States. Um, what we, what we, one thing we wanted to emphasize is just the uh, appreciation of uh, our brothers and sisters in the diaspora who make it easy for us because uh, if that wasn't uh, you guys, uh, we would be here and not, you know, living freely and doing what we are doing now, um, just building a community, a stronger community, um, you know, trying to educate our children, uh, trying to keep our culture, trying to also 
whatever we can to liberate uh, African people uh, all around the world, uh, which is really a challenge for all of us. Um, as the sister just mentioned, uh, the occupation of the Palestinians is, is no different from what's happening in many places in Africa. Um, so uh, we have all interests uh, to work together uh, to address these issues. Um, so we, we have a couple of event programs every year uh, trying to, uh, you know, build the community, um, bring uh, awareness who don't have all the information needed uh, to join the fight and uh, just to, you know, open the eyes for especially the younger generation. Um, one of the things we do is uh, uh, we do some workshops uh, we just finished one um, during the month of April, youth leadership. Uh, also, we have a, a, a bigger program, which is an Africa Day, which is coming up on May the 25th. Uh, this is going to be um, on the Zoom. Uh, we, we, we will have some panelists uh, talking about also issues like this um, on the platform where uh, people can just join and, uh, you know, I will probably share the link with Brother Lee uh, so he can uh, uh, disseminate uh, the information to the whole group. Um, other than that, we also have uh, the African Festival, which is, uh, you know, one thing we, we never have here in, in Richmond, uh, a, a platform where all the African immigrants come together. Uh, refugees or no refugees, uh, any immigrants coming from Africa have a chance to uh, present their country and uh, interact with the population, answer questions. Um, just uh, all this we do, just trying to bridge the gap, because together uh, that's when we can achieve some of the uh, some of the goals we are trying to achieve. Uh, but if we separate ourselves and you know the the struggle gonna stay. Um, is never going to be uh, resolved all these issues we have as a, as a community. So uh, this is an opportunity for us to always come extend our hand um, just uh, to uh, interact with more uh, communities, uh, see what we can do together. And uh, because uh, as an example, you know, we are kind of losing also in Africa because another issue which is the land grabbing, is another thing we can talk about also. Um, so all this, we're trying to liberate Africa and uh, uh, everywhere else also. Uh, Palestine is, is a crucial topic. Uh, we all know it's been going on for generation and generation. And uh, what we do now, that's the, the way to go. Just keep talking about it, keep trying to see alternative, how we can help because, uh, you know, together we can do something, we can make a difference together. Um, so I just wanted to mention that we are here as African Community Network to um, to join anybody, you know, in this uh, in this uh, hard topics and this fight um, to make a change. Uh, we are here to put our contribution change. Um, I just uh, gonna rest of my uh, intervention right there, uh, Mr. Brother Lee. Uh, thank you again. Thank you for all the speakers. I'm um, stay on and uh, listen to other uh, speakers again.
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Brother Jabril. Jabril, and what we're going to do right now, we're going to go take a, we're going to take a station break. We're going to play some revolutionary music, some music to inspire you, and to and to motivate us a high level activity. We want to do that. We want to do all that we can to ensure that our future is bright. And one of the best ways to do this is to be organized. You know, organization decides everything, and this is why we are honored to have these organizations here with us today because they are giving us the tool that we are that we need to overcome all of these obstacles. So right now we're going to take a station break, and when we come back, we will continue discussion and continue continue to celebrate African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. This is Africa on the Moon. Get up. 
that were spoken for the blood we have spilled all the treaties that were broken for the leaders you have Terminated for the myth you keep alive, for the land you confiscated, for our freedom you deprived. If you think of the Middle East in this 
modern time. You can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries. Their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Needs Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, cause Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed. We need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. We'd like to welcome everyone back to. Africa on the Moon. Um, you just listened to some music of resistance. And today we're talking about and speaking to this whole question of resistance. Um, at this point in time, what we're going to do is we're going to go to our co-host, Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, we'll let you take the lead right now of any questions that you'd like to address um, our participants at this point in time. Right now, we have Brother Peter, and we have Brother uh, Jabril, who is still with us. So, Brother Anthony, I'll turn the mic over to you. Uh, thanks, um, Brother Africa. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, one question I would like to um, uh, to address to uh, uh, Peter uh, Peter is um how um 
what has been uh, uh, the nature of uh, relations between indigenous people in the Western Hemisphere, as well as uh, the struggles of uh, Africans who were who were brought uh, to the diaspora against their will, for the most part. And um, how are those uh, how are those relations uh, going? Well, <clears throat> to answer your question, it, it's the relationship of Native Americans, um, Indian people in the United States. Um, we have certain tribes that get along. We have certain tribes that don't. Um, in my opinion, it's all part and postal to the uh, government's plan of divide and conquer. Um, we have, uh, just like in uh, the African-American community, uh, we don't like each other because of which region of this country we come from or whatever, and which to me is uh, a childish uh, thoughts or way of doing things. Um, we should all stand together as one and with that type of knowledge of standing together as one, that type of power, we can do anything as far as I'm concerned. Um, the American Indian Movement has really, since its conception, fought to unify us as a people so that we can have a stronger voice. And at one point in time, the American Indian Movement uh, worked alongside of, of the Black Panther movement and other movements uh, outside of the indigenous uh, uh, area or genre, I don't know what you would call it, but uh, just to help uh, communities of, of people of color, period, um, whether they were African, Asian, uh, Puerto Rican, Mexican, or whatever, um, we as American Indian Movement uh, saw no color. It was always a human being that was in front of us. And it's how you treated us as a people and as a person that made the difference. Um, and as far as the past is concerned, the indigenous people of the East Coast um, have been long-standing relationship with Africa. Uh, there's documentation of uh, Africans being here long before uh, the, the English and the European settlers came to this country. Um, and it was a good relationship as far as I know from talking to the elders and the others uh, on this coast about those relationships and about those the ties that they had. And even when um, Africans were being brought over on the slave boats, the indigenous people of this, uh, this coast took them in as, as human beings and allowed them to live as free as they could on the land that was deemed native land. 
Um, and of course, eventually, uh, the state and federal government took that all away from us and forced us out west and uh, recaptured those people and made them into slaves again. But there's been a long-standing uh, cooperation between the two communities. Um, there are some things, of course, that we don't see eye to eye on um, in the way things sometimes are handled. But I, was, I stand behind uh, my African-American or African uh, brothers and sisters and their fight here in the United States and across, the, the, you know, in Africa and in Palestine and wherever there are indigenous people being suppressed. You have a huge issue going on right now with uh, China trying to uh, could just go in and, and slaughter a whole nation of people um, in the southern part of China that has been free and from their, you know, the Chinese regime for decades or centuries. And now all of a sudden they're trying to go in there and we stand solidarity with them. We stand in solidarity anywhere where indigenous people are being uh, suppressed or uh, massacred or, you know, land just taken uh, because of the colonial way of thinking. Um, It still happens every day across this world, and it still happens here in the United States. Uh, They've had uh, land taken away from nations that have been and sovereignty for since the 1800s, and all because, uh, to quote the president at the time, they don't look Indian enough. Um, and it's just uh, a battle that we have to unify on and to continue to uh, uh, educate everybody on what's going on and never back down, never waver. And one of the things I do want to mention uh, when it came to the topic of political prisoners is Leonard Peltier. Um, He's in jail for something that's been proven multiple times, something that he didn't do, which is kill two FBI agents, and they still won't let him out of prison. President Biden... uh, released 75 people from their prison sentences recently, and this man's name was never even on that list or even thought of being on that list. I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, my next question is directed to al Haj Jabril. Um how um uh let's see what is um do you uh is your membership fairly uh diverse or is it uh is it concentrated primarily in Virginia or does it extend to other uh, uh, to other African communities in the uh diaspora? Okay, uh, thank you so much for the question. It's very important. Um, yeah, we started in Virginia uh, 12 years ago, uh, but right now we have some concerns. I mean, 
people who are trying to join us um, in Harrisonburg and uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Reason being, uh, being, like I mentioned earlier, we have this festival uh, is getting bigger and bigger. And uh, last year we had a delegation coming from uh, Harrisonburg uh, participate to the event, and they uh, they uh, request that we can uh, expand uh, to their location, and uh, we are working on that. And uh, the other group in Atlanta, one of our member, founding member, moved to Atlanta and uh, started, uh, you know, connecting with other African immigrants there, trying to start up another chapter. So far, uh, that's what it is. We are in Richmond, Virginia, uh, and, and the surrounding um, area, um, that's uh, where we are located now. But the intention is to duplicate, um, to have a chapter in every uh, locality in the United States. I have uh, uh, one more question for all three of our speakers so far. Uh, what is, uh, what is the, the, the role that women play in your organizations? Uh, we know that uh, women, because of their role, bear the brunt of the impression uh, meted out by capitalism, uh, imperialism, and other forms of exploitation. Women had a bear brunt of that. What are organizations doing to try to address that? Uh, I can jump in first. Um, this is uh, uh, El Haji yeah, with African Community Network. Um, our organization, uh, uh, the women are using, are having a predominant um, role in our organization. Actually, I've been uh, uh, the president for the last six years. We just uh, did an election last month, and now the new president of the African Community Network is the woman, uh, from uh, a sister from Ghana. So we are diverse. We have 21 countries, different countries involved with this organization. We don't have the all 54 countries of Africa involved, but that's why I intend to see any immigrant from Africa to bring them in the organization, and even including the African Americans. Um, our brothers and sisters here are members. Um, the chair of the education committee is African American brother, and uh, you know. He's, he's leading that committee for for a couple of, quite some time. So our secretary is a, is a female. So they they are playing a big role. They maintain um, social cultural economy. I mean social cultural committee is a woman. The chair is a woman. So they are the the locomotive, if I can say, of our organization. We have a lot of men, but the women are uh, are key um, uh, key holders to 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 many positions. So they are very important to give them these roles because they always been on the forefront um, in Africa, in in the United States, everywhere else. You can see the struggle. Um, they they play a very important role. So we know that, and that's why we giving them uh, the opportunity to uh, contribute as much as they can. Uh, that's what I want to say about the women's contribution in our organization. Thank you. 
Peter, Peter, you can go now. Run in in traditional Native American uh, Indian culture, um, the women and you have a women's council and a men's council, and both of them have to agree for decisions to be made within the community. Um, our women are held to the most highest standard because they are the giver of life. And women play have always played a huge role in the American Indian movement. Um, they would play a big role in all the activities uh, that happen. Uh, as of now, we have a woman who is the national director uh, Lisa Ballinger, and she's earned that spot by the, what she's done in the community throughout uh, the United States when it comes to indigenous people. Um, my co-director is a female, and we have uh, females who are also directors of the chapters throughout the United States in different states, um, and they play a very big role in um, how we do things and the way that we do things. And we really listen to our females because we as men sometimes let the testosterone and our anger dictate what we're going to do or a woman normally thinks things through and will look at things a lot more rationally than we do. And we respect that and we honor that um, in everything that we do. Um, and even in our prayers, and even in when I speak, I honor my mother and my grandparents and my grandmother and everything that I try to do. Uh, hey, Peter, I'm going to come to you first and then come to Jabril second. My question is, when you look at oppressed people, you realize they have many things in common in terms of their oppression. Now, when we look at the issue of our youth, and our students, you know, every oppressed people have to deal with that sector. Now, in terms of dealing with that particular phenomenon within your movement, within your nation, what percentage of the children today are totally under the control of that particular nation versus being under control of the U.S. government, the public system? And how are y'all dealing with this question of trying to create an education system that will truly reflect the history, the culture, the values um, of your people? Because not until we all can do that, we will continue to seem like to be produced as a, a, a manufactured um, product that will act and behave against the interests of our own people. So what y'all doing around the question of trying to really control and educate the youth so they can have the kind of education where they can fight for the continued progress and liberation of, of the indigenous people? Well, I know on a lot of reservations, um, there are taught uh, the truth of what really happened in this country and not uh, history in the public school system and even in colleges, is dictated by the federal government, where on reservations it's not. Um, so we are trying uh, to, especially 
in uh, rural settings and in cities where there's large Native American populations to uh, educate our youth exactly what happened so that they have that uh, knowledge and strength to pull from when uh, the fight's presented to them or an argument or uh, debate when it comes to the history of this country and this world. Um, we as American Indian Movement hold cultural classes. Uh, we hold uh, events specifically targeted towards the youth and education. Um, that is probably one of the biggest things that we do is educate, educate, educate. Um, if I can change, if I can have one of our youth recognize what's what's going on and say, okay, I need to learn the other side of this. It's really important. Uh, I grew up off of the reservation. Uh, my parents did tell me our history from the Native American Indian point of view, and which allowed me a lot of, uh, let's, let's put it this way, it got me in a lot of good trouble in school. Uh, because I really uh, uh, questioned what was being taught in the 70s and 80s throughout my time that I was in the public school system. Um, the one thing I tell our youth is to educate yourself, not only with your traditions, but learn the other side too, so that when the time comes, you can stand and have an intelligent conversation when it comes to whether it comes to the federal government, whether it comes to religion, uh, whether it comes to food, whether it comes to whether it comes to. So. Okay. Thank you. To Zabrio. I noticed one of the things when we look at organizations, particular organizations that is made of with some called outsiders, which we don't believe in, but let's say outsiders, people who was not born in the area or even born in a country and they come to another country. When you look at your organization, the African Community Network, and since we're talking about African unity, what are some of the drawbacks that is forbidden Africans born on the continent who come into the United States? What are some of the drawbacks that we need to be aware of and we can work on where we can better initiate and grace our brothers and sisters when they come here so we totally can immerse with each other and see ourselves as one. Because I still see that's a, a problem from time to time among the people. And we got to seriously believe and understand that we are all African people, period, and, and, and recognize the premise. So I would just like to hear your initial response to that phenomenon, Brother Jabril. Yes, uh, well, thank you, thank you again. Um, first, I'm going to just touch a little bit on the, on the children, on the, on the youth. Um, it's, it's a critical problem, very, very critical problem, because uh, like uh, the brothers just mentioned, the, the education is, is lacking, is a problem, uh, it's because it's dictating by the federal government, and uh, they're not taught the right thing. Um, a lot of time, and now you can see uh, the, the 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 CRT, which is another problem. They are trying to erase completely the history of the education system. Uh, that's a big big problem. 
So we are having tendency of losing our, our youngsters uh, to to the school system. Um, that's why we do in the African Community Network. We do uh, every year. We have a learner leadership training, and uh, where we can just uh, uh, emphasize some of the you know uh, triggers we need to really follow and learn about them, so we can inspire the youngsters. Um, we do that too every year. We just finished the, this one in in March. Um, also, uh, we we have a, another award ceremony which is going to be done in June, trying to give them awards so they can uh, you know excel in school. But at the same time, we re- really trying to bring them together because they kind of they kind of they kind of separate themselves because they they living in a difficult situation where you have a parent from Africa. And you live in the United States, you were born here, so you can have a, a double identity. You don't know how to manage that. That's a problem for our children, too. Um, when it comes to the question you just mentioned, uh, what I would say is that uh, communication is the number one key we need to have. The more communication we have, the better we understand each other. Because although we're all African, um, but the, 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 the system... Uh, trying to divide us as, uh, as much as they can uh, by sending propaganda and um, false information to each other. Um, just my prime example, before I came to the United States 20 years ago, uh, 20, 21 years ago, I, I thought that, uh, you know, in the United States everybody lives together, and because I was watching, you know, apart from the school, what you learn, you were watching a lot of movies and uh, reading a lot of magazines. So, but you don't know the reality until you get here. And you can see the difference between the blacks, whites, and, and other, other communities. You can see it, but from far from here, you don't see that. So, but when you come here now, you see the difference, and, uh, you know, and you don't have the proper training or the proper knowledge, then you're going to stay away because of the stigmatization of a, of a black community. Sometimes you're kind of afraid to join in because you come from another environment. And also the same thing happened here. Our brothers and sisters, if you don't have some kind of education or knowledge, you kind of stay away from the, our brother from Africa and the sister from Africa. So what we do right now in our organization is just to have as much conversation, as much uh, you know, uh, connectivity with, with, with our brothers and sisters who welcome us here. You know, uh, many of us have a lot of friends. They, they, they you know, our brothers and sisters take in, take, talk us, you know, and open the doors to us and make us feel home for the most time, most, 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 most part. But it's still a big number of brothers and sisters who are not connecting, who don't have any information in both sides. So basically, um, during the Africa Day, usually we we trying to have a roundtable talk. Uh, that's how we recruited this brother I mentioned earlier, a couple of years back, because he he came to our town hall. He wanted to join our organization, and now he's the chair of the education because he's an educator here. So we have so many examples like that. But the the starting point is communication. Have as much events we share together, as much platform we we share together as much uh, uh, talk show, we just intervene and talk so we can clear some of the misunderstanding. I think, uh, uh, you know, brotherly know where I'm coming from, and, you know, we really appreciate the opportunity here. 
I know that's what I'm emphasizing for our organization all the time, that you need to, you need to, you need to engage. Because sometimes when you come from another atmosphere, you don't know the system, you're trying to stay to yourself, you don't, you don't want to make mistakes, and you don't want to be involved with a lot of, in a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, things which are going to, you know, be, uh, you know, in a negative way. So basically, as much as we can engage with each other, the better it will be for our, our, our community to grow. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, thank you, my brother. I'm going to make an announcement. We have on our board a caller. Your last four numbers are 4512. Your last four numbers are 4512. If you are an invited guest, will you please hit one? If you are an invited participant, um, guest, speaker, will you please hit one so we can acknowledge you? Okay. So at this point in time, what we're going to do, we have with us, we're going to bring in caller 4512, and we want you to introduce yourself, your organization, and uh, what is your solidarity message for this year, African New Bridge Day and Palestine Day? Caller, welcome to Africa on the Move, 4512. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is that me, Brother Lee? Yes, Brother Maurice, how are you doing? Good, man. Okay, we have with us um, brother and sister, brother Maurice Connie. He's an organizer of the Friends of the Congo. He's going to share with us a little bit about his organization and the school that is going in the Congo. And uh, we're going to turn the mic over to him right now. The mic is yours, brother Maurice. Okay, thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for inviting us again to um, participate in African uh, Liberation Day. Uh, when you said I'm with uh, Friends of the Congo, one of the uh, co-founders of the organization, and uh, currently serving as its uh, its director. This is wanting to uh, share a few uh, uh, a few items. Uh, uh, it's kind of interesting. We're in the midst of uh, developing a comic book on uh, Lumumba and his uh, pursuit for free and liberated Congo uh, and, and Africa. And central to, to Lumumba's development uh, was his participation in, uh, when I say development, uh, meaning his political development, his political maturity. Central to that was his participation in the 1958 All-African People's all African People's Conference in Accra, Ghana, uh, organized uh, by Dr. and President uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Uh, and that conference served to radicalize uh, Lumumba. Because uh, there he met uh, Dr. Nkrumah, of course, who later became his father figure and political mentor to Lumumba. Uh, France, I know, uh, a range of other uh, revolutionaries. And that, uh, as we know, it is out of these series of Pan-African conferences uh, that we uh, actually arrive at African Liberation Day. And the Congolese youth, with many of whom we work, 
uh, throughout the country are keen on not only the contribution of, uh, of Lumumba to their current day struggle as they embrace him, his ideas, uh, his teachings, uh, his pursuit and continuous pursuit of Pan-Africanism, uh, but they are also keen to the solidarity uh, work, uh, the connections uh, that he made and how significant uh, that was. Uh, throughout the years, uh, the Congolese youth, at least we've made them aware uh, around the, the struggles of the youth in, in Palestine. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we have an annual event called Congo Week that takes place the third week each October. And in the past, we have organized exchanges between Congolese youth and Palestinian youth uh, to ground with each other, and in doing that, they discover that the same forces working against them in the Congo, working against the youth in Palestine, uh, have a, a similar uh, roots, a, a similar uh, connection, and that is the, the capitalist forces of the West, the imperialist forces, particularly uh, the United States of, of America and the manner in which it seeks to have full spectrum domination throughout the globe. And so uh, since that time, the Congolese youth and the Palestinian youth have been building with each other, connecting with each other uh, to form a, a people's united front, um, so to speak. And it is that uh, message that uh, I want to bring today that uh, the struggles of the indigenous people of the Congo, uh, the young people who are at the forefront of those struggles, are uh, keenly aware uh, that it's not just them that's catching hell from the capitalist system or the imperial system, uh, but the young people in Palestine. Uh, young people here in the United States who formed uh, the backbone of uh, resistance movements here, young people throughout Latin America. Uh, so uh, they are uh, not lost on them, let's say, uh, that a unified front um, is needed in order for them uh, to rid themselves of uh, the poverty and the dependency and the conflict uh, that's been imposed upon them. And that's really the message that I wanted to, to bring uh, to the platform today uh, to let folks know, even though uh, the Congolese youth are catching hell, they've lost millions of people in a U.S.-backed war, that began in 1996 uh, through uh, proxy forces in neighboring countries that are back armed, financed by the United States, uh, that they also see beyond, the youth also see beyond their current trials and the current uh, challenges uh, to recognize uh, that uh, the oppressed masses, the working class, uh, different parts of the globe uh, are their uh, allies and their comrades. 
So why don't you just bring that short message uh, to the discussion today? Hi, Brother Maurice. We want you to hold on. We'll be coming back to you because, of course, we have some questions we'd like for you to address as it relates to the Congo. What we're going to do right now, we can go to our next presenter. And if I introduce them incorrectly, other my brother, I want you to take the liberty to correct us because that's what revolution is all about, is doing the right thing. And we don't mind correction, not long as positive. We have with us Dr. Malanga Karingo. He's a founder of the US organization and the National Association of Kwanzaa. We'd like to bring him on, and he will share with us um, his solidarity message for this year, of African Liberation Day, Valentine's Day, 2022. Dr. Karingo, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Everybody, Ghani, welcome. On behalf of my organization, us and the advocates, we send you greetings of solidarity and continued struggle. And I'm also just a correction, founder of the uh, Pan-African holiday, Kwanzaa, and creator of the Nguzo Saba, the seven principles. So I'm honored. Thank you for this invitation to speak to you today and to speak to our people across the world on African Liberation Day with the slogan and the battle cry, everywhere a battle line, every day a call to struggle. And so as we gather to celebrate African Liberation Day throughout the world African community, let us honor first the ancestors, our ancestors, the openers of the way forward, the freedom fighters, the self-sacrificers, great and small, who taught us by mind-opening words and exemplary action, dignity-affirming, freedom-loving, and life-enhancing way to understand and assert ourselves in the world. Let us also mark and measure our victory, major and small, never forgetting the costs and casualties that accompanied every victory we had. And let us honor our ancestors and the struggle they gave their lives to by continuing this struggle. I speak here of the righteous and relentless struggle for African liberation. For we are not yet free, and thus the struggle does and must continue, and it must be won. It is a life and death struggle, people, to free ourselves and to be ourselves. I say it's a struggle to free ourselves and to be ourselves and to make our way in the world as African persons and people without domination, deprivation, or degradation in any form. Liberation is a practice and a condition, a practice of freeing ourselves and being ourselves, and a condition of freedom achieved by this revolutionary practice. Indeed, African liberation is both a personal and social practice, a struggle against oppression and against our own weaknesses that lead to our freeing ourselves and being ourselves as African people and constantly contributing to African and human good and the well-being of the whole world. Put another way, it is a process and practice of self and social transformation in and through struggle. And number one, frees our mind, strengthens our will, and causes us to come forth without being called, to serve without calling it sacrifice, and to struggle righteously and relentlessly until victory and freedom are won and enjoyed for all of us. The historic and ongoing struggle to free Africa and free African people around the world has been a hazardous, hard, demanding, and decimating struggle. We live in dangerous, difficult, deadly, and demanding times. We have lost millions in the worldwide struggle against the Holocaust of enslavement, against colonialism, 
against apartheid, against imperialism, neocolonialism, neoliberalism, racism, and white supremacy in various savage forms, hidden, disguised, or arrogantly open. Our resistance to these various forms is what Minister Malcolm X called, quote, oppression, exploitation, and degradation. They are both a testimony and template of our righteous and religious struggle on every level and in every place and time. It is evidence of what we have done and can do. For as Marcus Garvey taught us what humans have done, humans can do. But it is also a call for us to continue and intensify the struggle, to keep the faith and to hold the line. And therefore, I sum up the testimony and template for struggle with this battle cry of our organization, us. Everywhere, a battle line, every day, a call to struggle. It is a lesson learned and lifted up from the library of teachings and life lessons of our ancestors. But here, especially from Haji Malcolm X, Al-Haj Malik El Shabazz, and this is month of coming into being made. We pause to honor him as our mentor, our prophet of the promised inheritance struggle. Honored and uplifted martyr who gave his life so that we could live full and more free of life. It is he who taught us that, quote, what, wherever a black person is, there is a battle line. Whether it's in the north or the south, the east or west, you and I are living in a country and really in a world. That is a battle line for all of us. And thus, as I've said, the battle cry must be and is everywhere. A battle line every day, a call to struggle. Indeed, as Paul, Nana, Paul Robeson, when I say Nana, I mean honored one. As Nana Paul Robeson said, in the struggle we wage against racism, imperialism, colonialism, fascism, and other forms of oppression, he said, quote, the battlefront is everywhere. There is no sheltered rear. So we must go to bed and rise in the morning with this motto and battle cry everywhere, a battle line every day, a call to struggle. And we must understand that the struggle is on both the psychological and practical level. Therefore, we advance as a fundamental principle of revolutionary struggle, revolutionary culture and nationalism. That cultural revolution and political revolution are the dual aspects of struggle. We argue then and now that cultural revolution precedes and makes possible the political revolution, and then parallels it, helps sustains it, and especially in its most difficult days and years, causes to continue and to hold the line. It is not a secretary, not a France, France unknown, and not a Malcolm X who taught us that we must decolonize, unenslave, and unbrainwash the mind, or we can never achieve true liberation. Malcolm said, now, Malcolm said we need a culture revolution, right? And until we recapture our heritage and identity, we will never be able to break the bond of white supremacy. And this freeing of the mind from the views and values of the oppressor is the first and unskippable step in waging the liberation struggle. Thus, it is us building on these teachings that first said in the 60s that the key battle we are fighting now is a battle to win the hearts and minds of our people. And if we lose that battle, we can't hope to win any other, especially the political revolution we want and work so hard to bring into being. So let us sum up then with this fundamental Kawaita, and that's my philosophy, Kawaita, this Kawaita revolutionary understanding, which we have embraced since the 1960s about African liberation. We maintain that the quality of life 
of a people and the success of its liberation struggle depends upon its waging cultural revolution within and political revolution without, resulting in a radical transformation of self, society, and ultimately the world. It is time then that we do as Nana Osajiefo Kwame Nkrumah called on us to do, to go back in great ways to the masses of our people, to, quote, start with what they know and build on what they have, unquote. This is Nana Amikar Cabra called returning to the source, where they are the source, our people are the source of who we are and who we will become through our work and liberation struggle. This means that we must put in place programs and practices of education, mobilization, organization, and confrontation that lead to radical transformation we once called revolution, and we must retreat. These will be programs and struggles to satisfy the needs of the masses and transform them in the process. That is to say, issues of food security, housing, clothing, health care, security and peace, gender equality, debt cancellation, and reparations for Africans everywhere, and self-determination, human rights, and real democracy for peoples of Africa and throughout the world African community. Nana Amikar Cabral tells us, as Nana Malcolm, Haji Malcolm tells us, that we must also have an expansive conception of ourselves and see the importance of our role in human history, especially through our liberation struggle. Nana Cabral says that our liberation struggle have, quote, a deep significance for both Africa and the world, and that therefore we must regard ourselves deeply committed to our people and committed to every just cause in the world, deeply committed to our people and committed to every just cause in the world at the same time. Therefore, as a world African community, we stand in solidarity with other oppressed and struggling peoples of the world. As Sears Pan-Africanists, we will speak up for and support our people struggling everywhere, especially the people of Haiti in their struggle for self-determination and the end of oppression and resource robbery by the U.S., Canada, and France, and their allies. We must struggle, stand in solidarity with the Western Saharan people's struggle for self-determination, and our people's struggle against enslavement in Morocco, Mauritania, and Libya, and anywhere else we have retrograde and right-wing forces. And we must speak up and stand in solidarity with the native peoples of the world in this country and around the world, stand in solidarity with the Rohingya Burma and the people of Yemen, and with all others who are voices, devalued, vulnerable, and oppressed and struggling to liberate themselves. And we must not be afraid to condemn and oppose the brutal Israeli occupation of Palestine, their collective punishment and imprisonment of a whole people, and the recent cold-blooded killing of the honored journalist and voice of Palestinian people, Shireen Abdul-Akhla. And we must also condemn the systematic bombing and brutalizing of the Palestinian people who are rightfully resisting this savage oppression. We must, in fact, continue the struggle. The Honorable Marcus Garvey and the Honorable Mary McClavitton and the Honorable Malcolm X taught us to see ourselves in world-encompassing ways, to see ourselves as part of a global rebellion and revolutionary struggle against an international structure of power and oppression, and to see ourselves as critical contributors to a new world and a new course of human history. For our task is not only to free ourselves, for even if we achieve this, we would still be surrounded and under siege by the oppressor. Thus, Nana, Dr. Mary McClavitton teaches us that our task 
is to remake the world. It is nothing less than this, unquote. And this requires that we thoroughly embrace and assert ourselves with this understanding. Everywhere a battle line, everywhere a battle line, and every day a struggle. Everywhere a battle line, and every day a call to struggle. Once again, everywhere a battle line, and every day a call to struggle. All right, we thank you, Brother Karima. We want you to stay put. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we're going to have some discussion with Brother Maurice and Brother Karima as it relates to the movements and the effort that they are giving to improve the conditions of our people in the world. This is Africa on the Moon. Uh, we are co-sponsoring with the All-African Peoples, Revolutionary Party GC, as well as with the National Association, National Council of Arab Americans. One thing we would like to just remind you that this year we are calling for an African Liberation Month. That's by the AAPRPGC. Uh, there are a host of activities that are taking place and will be going on under their banner. So if you want to know what's going on, please go to their website at www.a-aprp-gc.org. Please um, check it out. And for this year's theme is Unleashing an Offensive of 64 Years of African Liberation Day, Intensifying the Revolutionary Struggle Against Capitalism and Imperialism, Zionism and neocolonialism, forward to Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. That is a theme for this year. And today we invited different groups, movements, and organizations to speak to the topic of generations of resistance, rebellion, and revolution. We demand the right to return to Palestine, Africa, and all indigenous land, and the second thing is speaking to the whole question of 500 years of resisting imperialism, aggression, from Soweto to Unimi. National liberation is an act of culture. So those are the political directions that we are functioning on in right now. What we're going to do, we're going to take a revolutionary break, and when we come back, we're going to have some discussion where our last two participants, Brother Maurice, Friends of the Congo, and our Brother Karina, with us organization, Kwanzaa Association. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move.
harder in chains, living in pain. Today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, last through my journey. Yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, for soon we'll be there where our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hellerino. A bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Palomino's in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. Light is clear. Oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. A negative attitude towards Africa. In San Francisco, on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote-unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance, because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. And when we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. You go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards on the Europe or Europeans, you will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans, the only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negro. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. This is a special program in conjunction with the All-African Peoples Rubbish Share Party GC and the National Council of Arab Americans. We're dealing with the theme, Generation of Resistance, Rebellion, and Revolution. And right now we have with us Dr. Malanga Corino and Brother Maurice Connie. 
organizers of friends of the Congo and the US Organization of the Quantum Association. We're going to bring them back in, and right now we have some questions we'd like to raise and get their understanding of the present realities that are facing our people. Brother Anthony, what I'm going to do is give you the liberty to go first. Any questions or comments you'd like to make towards our particular um, guest today, Brother Anthony? Yes. Um, I would like to ask um, both of you uh, what, uh, how much has uh, confusion over the identity question among Africans played a role in uh, neocolonialist domination of uh, African countries and uh, African communities in the diaspora. Who want to go first? Go ahead, Brother Maurice. You can take it first. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother, for the question. Uh, the role of uh, identity and its contributing factor to uh, to neocolonialism. Uh, I can take a few examples. Uh, we could take Congo, for example, uh, where it produced a revolutionary liberation hero in Patrice Lumumba. However, his secretary and close comrade, lacking a true African identity and African camaraderie, sided with the Central Intelligence Agency and the United States government to overthrow a son of Africa that was fighting not for his personal interests, uh, but for the interests of the Congolese in particular and Africa as a whole. So that lack of identity on the part of Joseph Desiree Mobutu uh, with his African, the best, some of the best that uh, we've seen Africa produce, led the Congo into a three-decade-long stretch of dictatorial and neocolonial rule that drove the country into the ground. And that is one concrete example where we see uh, Africans' lack of knowledge of self, uh, lack of understanding of uh, Africa's place in the world at that particular time. We were talking about in the 1960s when the Central Intelligence Agency launched the largest covert action in the world, according to declassified documents by the State Department, to not only overthrow Lumumba, but also control arguably the most strategic and certainly the wealthiest country on the African planet, uh, African uh, continent, if not the planet as a whole. Uh, At the time, the Central Intelligence Agency uh, chief of station, his name is Larry Devlin, he wrote a book entitled Chief of Station Congo. He said that we had to overthrow Lumumba because if we didn't overthrow Lumumba, not only would we have lost 
the Congo, but we would have lost all of Africa. So we see the CIA recognizing the centrality of Congo and of Lumumba to the future of the Pan-African movement. And by the same token, uh, we see uh, Kwame Nkrumah, who wrote the book, The Challenge of Congo, where in the opening pages, he lays out an agreement that Nkrumah had with Lumumba to make Congo the capital of the United States of Africa. So both the enemies of Africa and the liberation uh, figures of, at the time recognized the centrality of Congo uh, to the, the Pan-African project of the United States of Africa. And it was the betrayal of an African who did not know himself, and Joseph Desiree Mobutu, and others too, because Malcolm talked about them uh, in his debate at Oxford in, uh, I believe it was uh, 65, early 65. Uh, much of his debate, he talked about Moise Shombe and how Shombe, who was in the huck of the Belgians, and the Belgians themselves also played a key role in the overthrow or the ultimate assassination of Patrice Lumumba. So the, the continent is replete with examples of these Africans who do not know themselves, who are not grounded in the African heritage, culture, ancestry in a way uh, that could serve for the advancement of, uh, of the continent. Uh, we saw the same thing in Burkina Faso with Blaise Compare and Thomas Sankara, and they're just uh, uh, histories replete with these examples. So when uh, Professor Karenga stated that uh, a prerequisite for liberation is the knowledge of self, uh, history is littered with examples of how accurate that statement is and how necessary it is uh, for us uh, to have a solid foundation in who we are as Africans. Because once we have a solid foundation of who we are as Africans, we cannot betray our African brothers and sisters uh, the way that figures like Mobutu or Kampare and a number of others have done uh, throughout history. Asante Sana, thanks so much, Brother Maurice. I agree with um, your essential points, and I just want to build on and expand the discussion and uh, uh, Brother Lee, I w just want to tell you, again, my organization is the organization us and the National Association of Kawaita Organization, the Nas not the Kwanzaa Association, the National Association of Kawaita Organization. And I'm the founder of uh, Kwanzaa, of the Pan-African Holiday Kwanzaa. So I want to just build on our conversation and first pay homage, write for homage, to uh, Nana Patrice Lumumba, <clears throat> who Haji Malcolm called the greatest leader of his time in Africa, right? And defended him when everybody else was looking everywhere else. It is Haji Malcolm that stood up and talked about the savagery being imposed on the Congo on the, through the assassination of the legitimate uh, premier, uh, prime minister of the Congo, and the destruction of the revolutionary movement. And Haji Malcolm also praised the Simba, from whom which we got our name for our paramilitary organization, the Simba Wachanka, the Young Lion, right? 
He praised them uh, for their strength against overwhelming odds. And you know, we always come into the struggle outnumbered and outgunned. But it is our refusal to be defeated that is our strength. As long as we exist without the oppressor defeating us, we have defeated the evil intentions of our oppressor. And we must be clear about what went on there. And Brother Maurice has explained it, right, in detail. But what you have here, I want to just put a theoretical framework over it. There's always in these struggles, not just here, but everywhere people are oppressed and struggling. There are three aspects we have to always remember. There is the oppressor, there's the collaborator, and there's the people who are in oppression and resistance. Always say that, in oppression and resistance. Never just oppression, because where there's oppression, that's always resistance. This is an iron law, right, of history. And so what we need to do is not to blame the people and to understand the collaborators and separate them from the people and criticize them as running dog handmaidens and hirelings of the imperialists, of the colonists, of the racists, of the genocidists, right, of the Holocaust makers. We must condemn them. And there's not a, a, a history, there's not a history of any people who was in oppression, in severe oppression, that did not have collaborators, who identified with the oppressor and made our, our task more difficult. But we know it, so we identify them and make sure we don't condemn the whole people, right? The people are in struggle against oppression. And one of the most important things, and, and Nana Amika Cabra had said this, but we, we said it early in the 60s, that culture is key to all this. And when we talk about culture, we're not talking about song and dance or clothes, although that's part of an exhibit. We're talking about, when I say culture, I mean the totality of thought and practice by which a people creates itself, celebrates, sustains, and develops itself, and introduces itself to history and humanity. And that incurs on at least seven fundamental levels, history, religion, or social ethics and spirituality, Social organization, economic organization, political organization, creative uh, production, which is your art, music, literature, dance, etc. And then finally, ethos, the collective consciousness that we get as a result of practice in those other six areas. And so I want us to see culture in its totality. So when I said that culture, and I'm, I'm building on and borrowing from uh, Nana uh, Haji Sekou Ture, who taught and, and, and uh, Amikar, Nana Amikar Cabra, uh, Nana Sekou Ture said, national liberation and revolution are culture acts. And Nana Cabra reaffirmed that. The act of struggling is a culture act. We had said that in the beginning. And we said we are revolutionary culture nationalism. And there are three fundamental principles that apply to this. Three fundamental propositions of revolutionary culture nationalism, Kawita philosophy. First, that the defining feature of any people or nation is its culture. Second, that for people to free itself and be itself, it must be self-conscious, self-determining, and rooted in its own culture. And finally, the third principle is that 
the quality of life of a people and the success of their liberation struggle depends upon them waging cultural revolution within and political revolution without, resulting in the radical transformation of self, society, and the world. A lot of people jump over self, right? But we cannot change society unless we change ourselves in the process. And it's not like getting ready and then going. No, we got to get ready in the midst of the struggle. That is why not, uh, Haji Sekou Toure uh, said, if, if you're going to make the revolution, don't imagine you making a revolution by singing a song, right? If you want to make a revolution, no, song, make the revolution. Become a part of the people's struggle, and the songs will come of themselves. And so culture is so important. Nina um, uh, Malcolm said that. It's a weapon, a key weapon, an indispensable weapon in our struggle. And so we have to transform ourselves in the process and practice of transforming society and the world. That is what uh, Nana Fanon, uh, uh, Franz Fanon meant when he said, you know, let's leave Europe. Where we're always talking about abstract men, but when they meet concrete men, they kill him down every street. He said, we must think new thoughts. We cannot be obscene cockatches of you, but we must reach inside of ourselves and imagine and bring into being a new history of humankind and a new man and woman to make that history and to sustain that life and to push the horizon of history in whole new ways of understanding. That's our task as African people. And it's so important for us to remember all of this depends upon this culture revolution that begins first, but it has to be made real by the practical struggle itself, right? So we start with understanding ourselves, but there is no understanding like understanding yourself in practice. In the final analysis we say in Kaweida, in our organization, uh, practice proves and makes possible everything. That no matter how many books you read on swimming, sooner or later you got to jump in the water. And so you got to make it. And I want to just close with this. You know, that all of this <clears throat> is to decolonize ourselves as, and to unite. And we cannot unite unless we decolonize ourselves, right? So, so, so um, Nana Fanon uh, says this. He says, real liberation will involve not only the decolonizing of the land, but the end of the decolonized person. The person has been colonized. And we have to lift that colonialism off them and unite. I close with a, a quote by uh, Kwame Nkrumah, Osajiefo, Nana Kwame Nkrumah. He says, it is clear that we must find an African solution to our problems. And this can only be found in African unity. It can only be found, he says, in African unity. Div- he continues, divided we are weak. United, Africa could become one of the greatest forces for good in the world. And so what do we do, he says? We have to go to the people, start with the nobility on what they have, and, quote, strengthen the people's faith in themselves and encourage them to take part in the freedom struggle. For that is how they free themselves and become and be themselves in the most dignity-affirming, life-enhancing, and world-preserving ways. Thank you. Uh, 
Scott and uh, Karanga and uh, uh, Brother uh, Carney. Uh, I have uh, one more question for you, um, and it's a comment and a question. Um, uh, looking at uh, the history of our struggle, uh, do you think the, that the uh, revolutionary organizations of which uh, Asashifo Kwame Nkrumah and uh, Patrice Lumumba were part of had enough cadre to take over the educational system of the youth? And I, and I raised that because I think uh, that uh, that one of the factors that uh, of why neocolonialism is so rampant in the uh, in, in Africa and the African diaspora is because the organizations that did emerge did not have enough cadre to take over the education of the youth. So while, uh, while uh, you know, we were fighting, uh, you know, for uh, 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 unity and uh, pan-Africanism, our enemies uh, maintain control of the education of our youth. And that is why uh, neocolonialism tends to persist among uh uh let's see uh uh you know uh you know throughout the african uh world uh your response to that uh either uh dr karanga or uh brother carney can go first so the key question you asked uh the key question you asked is it the, the, the liberation struggle fails because uh, there wasn't enough cadres to transform, to educate, mobilize, organize the youth. Is that what you're arguing? Yes. Okay. If it's okay with you, Brother Maurice, I, I'll go first this time. Good? Yes, okay. by all means, Rocker. Good. Asante for that. Thanks so much. Um, well, it's a complex thing, right? And we have to remember that truth is whole. Any partial approach to it gives us a partial and sometimes incorrect answer. So we have to see as many factors involved at it, right? Well, first of all, let's take the case of the Congo. The youth were very much involved, but they were overwhelmed. They were betrayed by the people who should have supported uh, Nana Patricia Mumba's vision of a new country. His uh, respect for the people, right? Not just the young people, but every person. Certainly the young is going to be at the core of it because they're going to make the future. They have to make a future worthy of their history, worthy of their present, and worthy of a future that an African should imagine, given the ancient and rich and sacred culture he brings to bear on this question. And so I want us to see that it is the youth, 
it, 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 what, what we're dealing with is maybe four things. I mean, and I'm I'm, I'm just talking in, in a general framework here. We always need these things: education, mobilization, organization, confrontation. That leads to transformation. And there are processes of this. But Lumumba, Nana Lumumba is interrupted in the process of the struggle. The struggle is interrupted with overwhelming forces. The United States, the CIA, Belgium, France, all the European allies against it, with America at the front, of course, and Belgium right back, but also the other European allies, France, and the they don't want Lumumba to build a democratic socialist society. They don't want him to be independent, right? They want him to forget all the savagery, the brutality that the Belgians imposed on our people. I mean, it was like, you know, you can't even imagine the kind of thing that they did. How did these people think of these things? That's why C.T. Vivian, Reverend C.T. Vivian uh, said, uh, when he said to the uh, 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 backward sheriff in, in the South, what kind of people are y'all? What kind of people would actually cut people's limbs off, that would rape them with bottles and objects, and that would force them into a labor that killed them, right? What kind of people are they? These are the people talking Christianity and all those other things, right? And so... One of the things that Nana Malcolm taught us is that one of the, said, uh, one of the first things that Presser tries to do to us, and of course, Seiko Ture and uh, Nana Seiko Ture and Nana Amiko Cabral also taught this. They're contemporaries, right? So they teach, they have this same revolutionary culture here. It teaches one of the first things they try to do is to make us to forget, to not remember. And they tell you, don't be concerned with the past, just think of the future. No, the past is our. Our basis. That's why we said this is our duty. Listen, this is our duty to know our past and honor it, to engage our present and improve it, and to imagine a whole new future and to forge it in the most ethical, effective, and expansive ways. So we must remember the past. And that's why uh, when um, um, Guy Lumumba, uh, son of uh, 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 Nana Patrice Lumumba, came to our center, the African American Culture Center, and he spoke of independence, you know, June 30th, 1960. He asked me to read aloud a passage from his father's independence speech in English, which Lumumba, the elder, spoke to the people, thanking the, what he called the victorious fighters for independence and telling the people not to forget the incalculable cause of freedom, saying, quote, no Congolese worthy of the name will ever be able to forget that it is by struggle that it has been won, our independence, a struggle day by day, a struggle intense and idealistic, a struggle in which we were not spared either our strength, deprivation, suffering, or our blood. It was a struggle of tears and fire and blood, indispensable to putting an end to the humiliating slavery which was imposed on us by force. And that's what we have to do, it's to remember Minister Malcolm said, a people's history is its memory. If you lose your memory, you can lose your mind. And so what they want to do with the youth is separate them from their past, separate them 
from the experienced people that could give them the knowledge, transfer the knowledge to them so they could go and make a whole new world, right, based on the best of what it means to be African and human in the world. That's the struggle. And it's a struggle, uh, brother, not simply for the youth. It's for the hearts and minds of the whole people because it takes a whole community to raise, to nurture, and to form the character and intellect of our young people. It takes a whole community. And always we are surrounded by those who wish no good for us, who want us to live up to the stereotype they have constructed of us, who erases our history, erases our memory, makes us hate ourselves from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. This is Minister Malcolm talking here, right? Make us question our very, very self. And that's why I say the struggle is always dual. It is a struggle not simply to free ourselves, but to be ourselves. Because if we don't be ourselves, we can't free ourselves. But if we don't fully free ourselves, we can never fully. Thank you, Dr. Karanga. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the question. Thanks for this moment. In honor of our ancestors and in honor of the struggle uh, that goes forward, let us keep the faith and hold the line. Mm -hmm. Brother Maurice. Thank you. Thank you, brother, for for the question. I'd like to echo and compliment a particular point uh, that Dr. Karenga raised uh, in his response, and that is we cannot underestimate the violence uh, that was waged against our independence leaders. Teach. Uh, Fanon documented well. Teach. That has been a critical component, the uh, elimination of our freedom fighters on both sides of the Atlantic. Yes. Talk about the assassination of Malcolm. We have to talk about the assassination of Lumumba. As we talk about the assassination of King, we have to talk about the assassination of Felix Mounier. Uh, the domestic force was the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI. The international force was the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA. They worked hand in glove to eliminate um, the best that we, uh, some of the best that our, our culture and history has produced. And so uh, I want to make that point as it relates to the leading edge of the colonialist or neocolonialist or the imperialist forces. Now, at the same time, we can look to history for response to your question, brother. In 1958, in Guinea, when de Gaulle issued a call to the former colonial states who were under uh, French rule for them to say we or no, yes or no, Yes, to be a part of an extended France, or no, to remove yourself and be independent from France. It was Ahmed Sekoutoure, along with Pan-African forces, women like Pan-African women like Andre Bouin, Cameroonian figures 
like Felix Mounet, Pan-African forces rallied in a mass education of the Guinean population to understand the, the, the nature of colonialism, the truth about what free, true liberation looks like. And the Guinean people, as a product of the education of the masses, young and old alike, rose up and said no to De Gaulle. The only state, former colonial, French colonial state that said no. So we see when Africa is, the Africans are free to educate their masses, the response is always positive in the support for self-identified African, for a self-sufficient African, for a self-determined African. So it's not that there weren't enough people or the cadre, there weren't enough of a cadre. It's just that the violence that has been waged against our leaders has been overwhelming. So that is where I would pinpoint the, the challenge, not in the lack of education. We have other examples. We saw what uh, Sankara was able to do in a matter of a few years, right? Yes. In a matter yes. of a few years, to educate and inform the populace to the degree that they were building roads with their own hands, digging dirt with their hands and planting trees, women in the fields, having, again, next to their men, equality of uh, the genders. And in a very short time, without any gold and diamonds and copper and uranium and all of that, but with a word uh, and an education process uh, from an enlightened leadership, they were able to transform Burkina Faso. So I think when we talk about um, education, we have examples in our history as to how, what happens when our, the masses are properly, properly educated. You know, uh, Sankara was uh, famous for saying a, a soldier without education is a thug. And, of course, he saw that that was proven out in, uh, in many examples uh, with some of the folks ar around him. Uh, but uh, just wanted to get to that point where we uplift the examples from uh, our experience, our historical experience, where education has played a vital role in transforming the masses, uh, but for the opportunity to continue that education process, uh, we see that uh, we've reverted. Uh, we've gone backwards to, a, uh, to some uh, extent, where the curriculums, uh, if you look at the Congo, for example, anywhere in Africa, the colonial curriculum that has been imposed remains in place. And the reason why it's in place is because the leadership uh, that we had that would actually remove that uh, curriculum, institute curriculum, that uh, an African curriculum, uh, they were assassinated, they were overthrown. Uh, and the attempt by people like Secretary Ray, he attempted to export and Kwame Nkrumah export the experience of Guinea, the talents of Guinea. That's why he sent Andre Blouin and Felix Moumier to assist Lumumba in the Congo. And Andre Blouin, who wound up serving, has, who's a woman, uh, but served as a political attaché. Uh, was very successful in mobilizing the Congolese masses, but as uh, uh, Dr. Karinga said, that uh, overwhelming force uh, against uh, Lumumba and the Congolese. 
uh, they just could not uh, withstand it. So I would put uh, the accent more on the violence on the, of the colonialists, the violence of the capitalists, the violence of the imperialists, and their being able to be successful with the amount, uh, the degree of violence that they wage against uh, independence leaders and uh, revolutionary leaders who are trying to uh, control and determine the affairs of Congo and Africa overall. Mm-hmm. Strong, strong, very strong. And, and I, w- I want to just say quickly, I wanted to um, just at this moment pay homage to uh, Nana Kwame Toure, who based his life and teachings and revolutionary struggle on the teachings of great African, uh, continental African leaders like Osaji Efu, Kwame Nkrumah, and also Haji Sekou Toure. And one of the things he stressed is that we have to love the people and we have to continuously struggle to organize them, to educate them to their own strength, as Nana Fanon said. It's so important. And that is one of the reasons why uh, Patrice Lumumba, Nana Patrice Lumumba, so successful, he gave his life to the people, to organizing and to teaching them their own strength. See, that is to bring out in them the best of what it means to be African and human. And Kwame Ture, Nana Kwame Ture, may the good he loved last forever. He says, and all the, all the other ancestors, he says the job of the revolutionary is, of course, to overthrow unjust systems and replace them with just systems. And a revolutionary understands this can only be done by the masses of the people. So the task of every revolutionary is to organize the masses of the people. Be relentless in that. Don't stop. Give your life for the people as he did. And I, want, I wanted to say that he also reminds us that our fight is not only to free ourselves, but also a fight, as all the great leaders taught. Our fight today is a fight for humanity. It is not just a fight to change systems. It is a fight for our very humanity, our freedom to live, to have the type of culture and language we desire, and to live and function and enjoy the wealth of the earth, unquote, along with other peoples of the world. That's what we're struggling for, a new way to be African and human in the world, to open up a new horizon of history and to talk and speak our own special culture truth and contribute with other peoples of the world, building this struggle for African and human good and the well-being of the world. Human good, but also the well-being of the planet itself, the well-being of the world. I just want to put that in, pay homage to Nana Kwame Ture. Brother Maurice, Brother Maurice, this issue, this oppression, this genocidal policy against the Congo been going on for hundreds of years, back during the 15th, maybe even late 14th century. Now, when you talk about the issue of the Congo, can you talk about it in a conceptualized to our people about how it plays into their everyday lives in terms of the comfort that people are able to get as a resort of what comes out from the Congo and how labor 
is being used to get the kind of minerals that come out the Congo. Because one issue when we talk about the Congo, that's a disconnect. Not only in Congo, but just in the African general. Africans outside of the diaspora still don't understand that connection in terms of how the economic suffering and the resources that Africa has been used as a pure uh, material base for resources to supply to European countries to create their goods. Africans don't understand how we participate in that process. So we also would need to understand if we participate in the process, that means we also have responsibility to change the process. So just talk a little bit to this audience, that dynamic between what comes out of the Congo and its relationship to the development of the rest of the world, past as well as today. Sure, brother. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, as you know, I cannot talk about the resources coming out of the Congo without talking about the Congolese people. Uh, we at Friends of the Congo maintain that in the past 500 years or so of Europe's domination of Africa from the issuing of the Paco bulls uh, embodied in which was embodied the doctrine of discovery which gave European Vicarsus Belli to dominate and appropriate uh, people's lands around the globe. We see that Congo has loomed large in the African Maafa from the mid-1400s right up to today. Why do I say that? Because if you look at the UNESCO's and Emory University's, uh, Emory University's uh, slavery database where they study and map the trafficking of Africans to the Americas. We see that four out of every ten Africans that was trafficked came out of the Congo region where uh, we see that uh, they came out of the Congo region in the old configuration of the Congo Empire stretching from Gabon, right down to uh, Congo, so-called Congo, Brazil, Democratic Republic of Congo, and Angola. Uh, so the culture, the Congo culture is replete and present for, throughout the Americas, as Dr. Sheila Walker has laid out for us in many of our, our works. Now, that was the original extraction, the extraction of African labor and African intellect for the development of the, what has become, has become the greatest capitalist nation in the world, the United States of America, which would not have exist, which would not exist the way it is without the labor that has come out of the, and the intellect that has come out of the African continent. Uh, and whenever we see the interaction between Europe and Africa, we find, at least over the last 500 years or so, Europe is a beneficiary and Africa has wound up being the victimized. As Dr. Ivan Van Sertima said, that whole process of the lifting and the extracting of African bodies out of the continent was tantamount to a, a nuclear weapon being dropped on the continent. Now, it wasn't sufficient for 400 years of that extraction of human bodies 
But then the Europeans turned more particularly to the extraction of natural resources. And in an attempt to reduce the conflict between them, they formed the, they organized the Berlin Conference with some 14 European nations with the United States having the observer status. And the Berlin Conference was also referred to as the Congo Conference. And here again, we saw in this second period of extraction, this time primarily resources, natural resources, as opposed to human bodies, that Congo loomed large again. That it was so big, as carved out by Henry Morton Stanley for King Leopold II of Belgium, that the Europeans decided that they would give Congo to King Leopold II as his own personal property, his own private property, where he would reign over what they call the Congo Free State. They call it the Congo Free State not because the Congolese are free, but because Europeans, as a result of the agreement that they had with King Leopold II, were able to travel freely through there, was trade freely through there, so that there wouldn't be any conflict with them. Uh, but then we saw that within that 23-year period of the reign of King Leopold II of Belgium over the Congo, that that initial genocide of the dawn of the 20th century where an estimated uh, 10 to 15 million Congolese perished as the king extracted rubber and ivory, which are great African hero here in the United States who fought in the Civil War and later served in state legislature in Ohio and attended in Howard University, which uh, uh, John Franklin wrote a biography about. George Washington Williams said it was a crime against humanity what the king was doing uh, when Williams visited the Congo in the 1890s. So Congo has been central in the Mahafa from the period of enslavement to the extraction of natural resources right up to today, again, where we see from 1996 to the present, an estimated 6 million Congolese has perished as Europe is extracting the coal pan, the copper, the aluminum, the cobalt, you name it. So here it is that Congo, during the period of enslavement, two out of ten Africans extracted from the continent were Congolese. During the colonial period, an estimated 10 to 15 million Congolese uh, lost their lives. And now, in this um, third phase, during the and in, in each of these phases, uh, brother, we see when where we see the Congolese perish to the to the degree that they have, and the resources are extracted, whether people or natural, we see an advancement in the West. By the same token, today, when there's uh, 6 million Congolese have perished from 1996 to the present, we see that uh, the advances in technology, the coal pan that is extracted out of the Congo, are vital for our devices, the device that I'm speaking on right now, the phone, uh, the video games that our children play. In fact, one U.S. senator says, every American has at least one device in which coal pan is found. And now... Uh, we see today as uh, the scramble of Titan for the cobalt. Uh, cobalt that's found in Congo is not only critical to the U.S. aerospace and military industries, where cobalt is a strategic mineral for the U.S. military, but it's also a strategic mineral for the automobile industry, for the battery industry, because without cobalt, Elon Musk, one of the world's richest men, if not the richest, wouldn't have the Tesla, wouldn't be able to produce a Tesla. The cobalt is the kind of mineral 
that is, is central to the rechargeable batteries. Uh, so the batteries in our iPhones, the batteries in our iPads, the batteries in our automobiles, all dependent on cobalt. We see that uh, progressive members, quote-unquote progressive members of the U.S. Congress, talking about the New Green Deal. There is no New Green Deal without rechargeable batteries, and there are no rechargeable batteries without Congo's cobalt. So even as we see, quote-unquote, enlightened policies being pursued around the transformation of energy into clean energy, the energy may be clean, but the source that's needed for that clean energy remains dirty. And where we have child laborers extracting cobalt by hand that help to feed the solar power cells that we need for our, uh, for our wind turbines and other clean energy instruments. So as long as the Congolese do not control that tremendous wealth that they have in their soil, uh, whether it's cobalt, whether it's the gold, whether it's the diamond, whether it's the copper, the uranium, you just name it. You know, I even uh, neglected to mention the uranium. Without the, as it relates to the advancement of technology for the West, without Congo's uranium, the, United, the Manhattan Project wouldn't have been able to develop the atomic weapons, which it ultimately used to drop on the Japanese. And in this period that we're talking about hurtling toward nuclear war, uh, we, uh, we, we must not forget that the only nation in the world, the only nation in the world that dropped a nuclear weapon, an atomic weapon on another nation is the United States of America. As much as people are scaremongering about Russia today, it's critical that we remind the people that it was the U.S. was the first nation in the world to, to drop a nuclear weapon on another uh, member of the human race. So what the youth in the Congo are doing, uh, brother, is organizing, organizing in the spirit of Lumumba to control the enormous wealth that's in the country so that that wealth can be utilized for the benefit of Congolese first and benefit of Africans. As Kwame Nkrumah has uh, laid out in the challenge of the Congo, as Sheikh Antajio laid out in the Federated States of Africa, talked about the industrial power of the Congo in driving the entire African continent. And I'll leave you with this. Uh, as it relates to the centrality of, our Cong of the Congo in our 500-year Maafa, France Fanon, stated in African Revolution, the fate of all of us is at stake in the Congo. And I remind you of that today, that the fate of all of us is at stake in the Congo as the country uh, continues to be targeted uh, for rape, pillage, and plunder like no other place on the planet where we see Africans living. And Brother Maurice, real quickly, can you list some of the companies, institutions, that's really controlling the resources and oppressing and killing the Congolese people? You must be honest and begin to identify enemies and deal with them for what, they, for what it's worth. I'm sorry, Brother, you said to name some of the companies? Companies? Is that what you said? Institutions? Oh, yes. oh I mean, they're, they're so, they're so, there's so many. I, I mean, they range. You know, everybody wants a piece of Congo. I already mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, you have to mention Apple. You have to mention Microsoft. Uh, Glencore, a company that was formed by Bill Clinton's friend, uh, Mark Rich. 
uh, you know, uh, Freeport McMoran, uh, major mining company there in Phoenix, Arizona. If you ever go to Phoenix, you see one of the biggest buildings in the uh, in the city is uh, is Freeport's building. Uh, Barrick Barrick Gold out of uh, Canada. Uh, I mean, out of um, uh, Canada, you have Barrick. A lot of Canadian companies. The Toronto Stock Exchange is the uh, largest uh, exchange in the world as it relates to do uh, to mining. Uh, most of the capital in the world uh, is raised at the Toronto Stock Exchange. So there's just so many. Uh, it's a capitalist system. It's a finance capitalist system. So every tool that you uh, elements of it, uh, Arch Ziff is a hedge fund out, out of New York uh, that was fined by the U.S. Justice Department some $400 million for, for bribing Con- uh, Congolese leader. Uh, this Israeli by the name of Dan Gertler, who's made billions off the uh, uh, the Congo Vanity Fair just published an article on him. He makes about $200,000 a day in royalties from Glencore because of mines that he has, ill-gotten mines that he has in the Congo. Now, you have to contrast that to, according to the World Bank, 70%. That is about 60 million Congolese live on less than $2 a day. And here it is, you have one Israeli, Dan Gertler, who makes $200,000 a day in royalties. So it is the nature and the scope of the plunder is obscene to the point where every African on the planet should be in an uproar as the, as the abject poverty, uh, the depredation uh, that we see in the Congo when there's a conglomerate of capitalist individuals, companies, nations, uh, agents of neocolonialism that have Prayed and descended upon the Congo to pick at it like a target. So the yes. list is, is 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 incredible. We have it on our website at friendsofthecongo.org. We have a list of some eight, uh, at least a hundred companies or so that the United Nations identified in the studies from 2001 to 2003 as culpable for plundering the Congo of its wealth. Okay, Brother Maurice, in terms of trying to find out primary sources of information on what's really going on in Congo on the ground, what would you recommend to the people? I recommend for them to visit our site, join our movement, be a part of our efforts, uh, not only to confront uh, U.S. foreign policy and corporate policy, but also provide support uh, to those incredible young people, old people, uh, farmers, rural people who are uh, fighting uh, to bring about change in the country. And the best way for them to do that, quickest way is to go to our site, friendsofthecongo.org, sign up, and say, I want to play a role in bringing about change in the heart of Africa. No, no, my brother, we'd like to thank you for coming forward and making your contribution to this year, African Liberation Month, under the banner of the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party. That were friends of the Congo, brother. Maurice Connie, we thank you. Thank you. Brother thank Garinga. you, Brother. Yeah. Yes. Brother Garinga, I want you to hold on yeah. for a few minutes. We're going to play this clip in, and I want you to respond to it when we come back. When we're talking about the issue of generation of resistance, the value in revolution, African Liberation Day has a history of that. And we have a history of creating serious revolutionaries who are serving the people. We spoke about this brother earlier. We can listen to some of the lessons he left for our people, and then we'll come back and have a little discussion with you. So we want you to hold on, and 
at this one time, we talk about Brother Kwame Ture, formerly known as Dr. Carmichael. We're going to play some excerpts of some of the lessons they left for our people, particularly when we talk about this question of uh, reform versus revolution. It will be solved. There's a difference between revolution and reform. Big difference. In reform, a man observing a foundation, observing a system, sees many problems. But he assumes that there's nothing wrong with the system. The foundation of the system for him is a good system. Thus, what he seeks to do is to change the building as best he can, but he wants to leave the foundation intact. Example, if I came to this building, it's Ackerman Hall, is it not? If I came to Ackerman Hall and I looked at the foundation, the foundation was falling. It was just falling, couldn't possibly stand. If I were a reformist, I'd say, okay, put a piece of board over that. So we cover the foundation. We haven't touched it. And then I'll come here and say, put a window there. Put a door here. Put a frame here. Put two rooms where there used to be one. What I'm doing is reforming the system. I am trying to make it look different, but I'm keeping the same rotten foundation. You must understand that because this country is full of reformists, black people notwithstanding. And these reformists have a tendency to deceive you to let you believe that things are really being changed when in fact the foundation has not been touched and the longer it stays, the more rotten it becomes. The more rotten it becomes. A revolutionary comes into the building, observes Ackerman Hall and says, looks at the foundation and said, hey, this foundation is filthy, it's rotten, it's corrupt. It must be torn up. A new one must be put in its place. Once he makes that decision, and once that theoretical decision which he's made is demonstrated actively in his day-to-day -day life, you have a revolutionary. Thus, a revolutionary is not someone who seeks to reform a system. He's someone who seeks to replace it. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not a reformist. I want the American system destroyed. It must be destroyed and has to be replaced. It has to be replaced. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Again, I'm not calling for revolution. I see it coming, and I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. I've been the victim too long, so I want to be part of the solution. I am saying that all of us must opt for revolution. All of us must opt for revolution. Now, revolution is very scientific. There's nothing emotional about it. There's nothing emotional about it. President Sekou Toure, a wise and courageous African revolutionary, says that in revolution there is no sentimentality. There is none. Whether I like something or do not like something, it is scientifically determined for me, thus I must do it. So I have no sentiments involved in my work. I just have to do what I have to do, and I will do it the best way I can. Best way I can. Now, revolution, we said, follows scientific laws. If you come and you look at the foundation and you see the foundation is rotten and you say that you want to replace this foundation, you want a new system, you're asking for revolution. Because what you're saying is that you want another system where there is a system. And we know scientifically that no two things can occupy the same place at the same time. I mean, that's logic. So if you say that uh, you're against capitalism and you want another system put in the place of capitalism, then all you're saying is that you want revolution because capitalism and this other thing cannot occupy America at the same time. Only one, only one will occupy it. Only one will be dominant. 
Thus, if you say you want revolution, you understand you're talking about scientific principles. Two systems cannot occupy the same space at the same time. I'm opposed to capitalism. I seek, I seek an economic system which must follow the principles of scientific socialism. This system must come, will come, all over the world, America notwithstanding. It must come and will come. To and Africanism must come from the bottom up, from the mass of the people up. It is here then that we come to see the real aspect of Pan-Africanism. We said that in the Fifth Pan-African Congress they called for mass organizations, and immediately mass organizations sprang up throughout the length and breadth of the African world. The Conventional People's Party, a mass party, sprang up in Ghana. The Democratic Party of Guinea, a mass party, sprang up in Guinea. Throughout the length and breadth of Africa you had the TANU, the Tanzanian African National Union, which is now the CCM. My Swahili is uh, not as good as yours. Chimpa, Chimpuraza, Mazuri. That's very good. Oh, <laughs> my, my Swahili is bad. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that's their new party. But all over Africa, mass parties sprung up. If you look at the Caribbean, mass parties sprung up. And if you look at the United States, mass movements sprang up. So the call was heeded for mass confrontation. Of course, the Fifth Pan-African Congress made two definite and precise resolutions which I want to uh, highlight. Of course, Pan-Africanism from the very beginning was anti-colonial. From the very beginning it was anti-colonial. It was weak. So when they came, they didn't say to the Queen, we're going to put you out of the country. They said, you must treat the natives right. You must educate them. You must prepare them for self-government. These are things that are weak, but they were anti-colonial in essence. We must not look at the form. And we got stronger, the more this anti-colonialism will express itself. Now, anti-colonialism is nothing but anti-capitalism. Because colonialism is nothing but an offshoot, an aspect of capitalism. Therefore, if you're anti-colonial, you must be anti-capitalist, if you're logical in your thinking, of course, and your actions. Some people are not, but we are speaking of logical people here. <laughs> if you're anti-capitalist, then you must be socialist. Capitalism cannot unite Africa. Africa has to be united by socialism. Now, there's a lot of confusion here on this question of capitalism and socialism. Just recently, a young man said to me, but socialism died. I said, it did. He said, you didn't hear about it. I said, I missed the funeral. <laughs> of course, he spoke about the betrayals that occurred in the East. You must not let capitalism confuse your thinking. This is a struggle which Pan-Africanism takes on. We struggle against imperialism in the illogical arena because many people think that capitalism just wants to exploit your labor. It wants to confuse your thinking and make you think just like them. And this is where the real fight occurs. So therefore, this struggle of confusing the thinking, I told the man, I said, you're talking nonsense. Socialism cannot uh, uh, disappear. It cannot die. He said, yes, it can. I said, no. He said, how do you say that? I said, well, you are judging uh, socialism by socialists. You don't do that. He said, I've never heard such nonsense. If you don't judge socialism by socialists, what do you judge it by? I said, you judge it by its principles. Every system is judged by its principles, never its adherence. So he still saw confusion. He said, you're just talking double talk. I said, okay, do you judge Christianity by Christians? So we must not be confused here. Socialism doesn't fall because of betrayal. No system does. The person who betrays themselves goes to the mud, but the system with its eternal principles keep marching on. If a system fell because of betrayal, Christianity would have been finished with Judas. At least Judas had the dignity to hang himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these who betray socialism don't have that dignity. Gorbachev still runs around speaking and I'm picking up 30 pieces of silver everywhere. Yeah. So uh, socialism is an economic system. And there can only be two in the world, capitalism or socialism. 
because every economic system must answer one fundamental question. Who will own and control the wealth of the country? Who will own and control the means of production? The question can only be answered two ways. Either a few will own or everyone will own. It's as simple as that. And under capitalism, we say, please summarize that we might have. No, I'm going. I thought I had 20 minutes. It's my time. I thought I had 20 minutes. I was going by the clock. How much time do I have left? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm off. That's what I thought I did. I was watching you. Now I'm watching my clock. I'm a responsible. I'm rev revolutionary. I go by time. I got my clock right here. Matter of fact, I can say it in two words, black power. <laughs> and today we've gone to one, Pan-Africanism. <laughs> yeah. So there are only two economic systems, and it's going to be capitalism or socialism. Capitalism is a backward system. There's no need to discuss it. Certainly anyone who's been made a slave by capitalism ought to be hesitant in trying to support the system. But as a conscious African, I must be against capitalism, and I must, of course, seek to destroy it. So in, when you speak of Pan-Africanism, you must understand you speak of socialism. And we want to underline there's only one socialism out here, and that's scientific socialism, whose principles are abiding and universal. There's no such thing as African socialism, Chinese socialism, Russian socialism, Arab socialism. There's only one socialism. The confusion arises over ideology. That is that which guides you towards your objective. So we're saying clearly here, Pan-Africanism is not an ideology. It is an objective. It is an achievable. Pan-Africanism is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. All we want is a unified continent with a socialist system. That's all. But you know Africa is the richest continent in the world. When she's properly organized, she'll be the most powerful. Yeah, of course. Of course. And me, all I want is power. <laughs> I'm not like others. I don't want money. I don't want popularity. I just want the power I'm supposed to get. That's all. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Pan-Africanism must come from the bottom up, from the masses. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move. I'm Brother Africa. We're in the seat as you define it. We're going to stand behind it. We have with us Brother Dr. Malanga Garingo. Uh, he's getting his perspectives on the nature of the struggle as relates to African people and humanity. Um, we're going to bring him back in, and um, I'd like to raise a couple of questions and get his feedback from these questions. You know, often cultural Nazis in the past, they have been criticized for dealing with the issue of form and not essence. I'm just wondering from your perspective, looking at the history of cultural culture, um, culture Nazis, in the past, and looking at the reality of African people today, is there any real relevancy to push the aspect of the culture aspect today as the more important to understanding and dealing with the political aspect of our people's struggles? That is to say, to look at the concrete systems and the powers to be and take them on in essence and not use this question of um, looking at the people will help move you forward and get your liberation. I'd like to have your response to that phenomenon, Brother Karina. Yeah. Appreciate what you said, if I understand correctly. So let's let's look at the criticism of culture nationalism, which is really criticism of Kawita, my philosophy. Kawita is an ongoing, my philosophy we define as an ongoing synthesis 
of the best of African sensitivity, thought, and practice in constant exchange with the world. So this is open textured, right? And we seek and use it to ground ourselves, orient ourselves, and direct our lives toward good and expanded end. It is the basis for how we live our lives, do our work, and wage our struggle. We can't look for salvation in Sweden, right? We have to have our own cultural truth that we speak to the world. We have a right and responsibility to speak our own special culture truth, to make our own unique contribution to the forward flow of human history. When people say they criticize culture nationalism, they're criticizing stereotypes they make in their mind. I'm going to, again, define for you what cultural nationalism is. And it is based on both study and practice, the study of the revolutions of our time in the 60s, all the great mind in Africa and Asia and Latin America or South America. Right? We studied all of this, right? And we all recognize that culture bases, we said in the quotable, for revolution and recovery. We've got to recover ourselves in order to be ourselves. This is one of the fundamental teachings of uh, Nana Malcolm X, Haji Malcolm X. So I'm going to give you culture nationalism, revolutionary culture nationalism, the kind we practice, not the stereotypes. The people, do, they, don't, they haven't done anything that we haven't done. We were on every list every other group was in. And I am myself a survivor of the COINTEL program, of false imprisonment, right? I'm a, I was a political prisoner for four years, right? And if you look at the FBI's uh, report on us, they saw us as revolutionary. They put us on every radical list that any other group was. And so let, let me say, we have a history here. What is cultural nationalism, revolutionary cultural nationalism? Based on three fundamental principles. The first is that the defining feature of any people or nation is its culture. Second, people to be itself and free itself, it must be self-conscious, self-determining, and rooted in its own history and culture. Second, third, that the quality of life of a people and the success of its liberation struggle depends upon it waging cultural revolution within and political revolution without, resulting in a radical transformation of self-society and the world. Those three points of transformation, self, society, and the world, are key to how we understand revolution and culture, revolutionary culture nationalism. So, you know, when people be talking, they don't, they don't tell you what we say. They tell you what is in their limited mind, and they're doing it. Like, you know, trying to diminish. See, you don't have to stand on my head in order to get height. If you got height, you can do it without me. If you talk more about me and us than you do about the oppressor, right, you got a problem, and you got to deal with that and come to terms with that. Just like, for example, we're democratic socially. Now, I was listening to uh, Kwame uh, Ture, and I have a little difference in it. And, you know, we talk together, and he's a good brother. And, and, and one of the great lights and leaders of our movement. And I met him first in the fall of 1966 in Watt, where I lived and worked, and which had become a fundamental point of reference and pilgrimage 
for the northern thrust of the black liberation movement as a result of the August Revolt in 1965. And the coalition of groups, including our own organization, us, invited Kwame to come to, uh, and speak. And we provided security for him and for rap later, uh, uh, <clears throat> Jamil Abdul-Alamin. Uh, and so we, we met many times after as brothers in struggle and spoke together in the community and on campus of black power gatherings and conferences, including at UC Berkeley in 66, at Howard University in 68. Several times he visited our center, the African-American Culture Center in Los Angeles. And finally, we met the last time in San Diego, at the San Diego Million Man March Day of Absent Local Organizing Committee reunion in August 1977. Now, we believe there is an African socialism, and we take Nkrumah seriously when Nkrumah said that the fundamental historical basis for socialism is African communalism. But now we have to update it to deal with the world. And Ujamaa became the fundamental way we understood that. That is our fourth principle, Ujamaa. And that is what we define quickly as the principle of shared work and shared wealth. Shared work and shared wealth. And one of the things that we have to do is look at Ujamaa from Mwalimu Jewish Nyeri's position. That's where we got our grounding with this. And one of the first things he argues for is one respect for the human personality. That we're not just doing this for a system. We're not doing it for science. We're not doing it for all the other things that people. We're doing it to improve the lives of our people and the lives of the people of the world. We have considered capitalism wrong. In 1965, we said, the 66, all the way to here, we saw it as predatory. We saw it as vulgarly individualistic. We saw it as destructive of the world itself, right, with its plunder, pollution, and depletion, right? We, 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 we saw that and we talked that. People just didn't want to say that. They wanted to go with somebody else and do something else, but they didn't hear what we said. So the first principle is respect for the rights and dignity of the human person. Second, the foundation of community. That's the people. And one of the things that, and, 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 that, and, and uh, Nana Kwame Ture said he wasn't sentimental, but love is a sentiment, right? And I appreciate him. And, you know, he's, he's a good brother. You know, it's nowhere in the world I can say anything wrong about him. But I'm just, as a brother, we're just talking like we did when we met and talked about these things. He said that, you know, he wasn't sentimental, but he tells us that one of the most important uh, and indispensable things for a revolution is, quote, the undying love of our people. And that's for ourselves and each other as part of what it means to be African human and ultimately revolutionary, right? He said, you know, the, therefore, he said, the society we seek to build among black people then is not a capitalist one but a society in which the spirit of community and humanistic love prevails. We can build a community of love only where we have the ability and power to do so among black people. So love is serious to us. And so that's what I mean by the respect for the dignity and rights of the human beast, a person and the foundational nature of community. And the third principle, of course, is the one I said, shared work and shared wealth in the world. Other one is what he said, collective ownership. 
are the means of production. That is the means to satisfy human need. Because those who have the means to satisfy human need controls those people. Those who control the means to satisfy human need controls those people with those needs. And finally, we have to talk about democratic socialism. We've seen enough of what um, systemic communism did for people, right? Crushing their aspirations, right? The party masquerading as the people. We don't need all that. What we need is for people to become self-conscious of their own life and liberation, where they see themselves in the most expansive way, where they are, again, agents, agents of their own life and liberation. That's what we work for, right? And it has a culture dimension to it, a political dimension to it, and an economic dimension to it. But culture, as an all-embracing term, it contains both politics and economics. It's impossible to speak of culture in the sense that Kaoida pushed without talking about those seven fundamental areas. History, religion or spirituality and ethics, social organization, economic organization, political organization, creative production, which is your art, your music, your literature, dance, etc., and then echo the collective psychology we get as a result of thought and sensibility, thought and practice in those other six areas. Are we there? Yes, Brother Carino. Yes, we okay, heal. good. All we're right, going to ask good. you this Thanks. last question, and I'm going to ask you to keep it in if you can in the next two, two three minutes. I'd just like to hear your response in regards to when one critique the problem of oppression of the people. We know there are primary and secondary contradictions. But when you look at our problem today, and you have heard it many times, so it's just like to get you a second on how do you view this question of one of the the fundamental problem among African people today is more class and race. Your response to that? Well, it's not more class and race. That's the problem that we have. It's class and race at the same time. Like it's race, class, gender, sexuality, ability, age, those things. But the primary theory that we have argued for, I don't know, we have feedback. The primary theory uh, that we have argued is that the fundamental contradictions of human society are race, class, and gender. Now, we can add to those, but we can't erase those, nor can we elevate one over the other. If we do, we make a serious mistake. And so the question is, how do we talk about a nation without talking about the people? The people has classes. Without the people, how do we talk? And as Nana Sekutere said, in the midst of struggle, there is one class. That's the class of the oppressed, the class of the dispossessed, right? But within that, we know, and this is an addition to Kawita, because first of all, we take no class conversation, right? Because we saw it as replacing race. What we did is add class to race. We didn't use class to replace race. That's a very important, uh, both philosophical and social uh, matter is that we don't have to erase one to include the other. So, look, it's just like the Congo. We were talking about the Congo, and we're saying that one of the reasons that the Congolese are so oppressed 
is economic, right? All that, those minerals that they get, 70% of the cobalt, as Brother Maurice was talking about, copper, diamond, tantalum, tin, gold, zinc, uh, tungsten, all of that. Yeah, okay, that's, that's it. Can we deny it? Of course not, right? They're making trillions on us, right? On our death and life, right? But why are they doing it? There's a special racist dimension to it, the hatred. It is. It coincides. That's why Fanon, uh, Nana Fanon says, Marx, who had been so brilliant in organizing uh, and talking about class, needs revival, revision, and rethinking when it comes to race. Because he didn't have the understanding of race and the role of race and the role of white supremacy that we have now, right? And so it's not just that it's an economic issue. It's also a racist issue. And the savagery and severity of it is racial. Sometimes people would lose money to oppress us. Look at the American South. Look at Africa itself as a continent. Look at the Caribbean. They would lose money to deny us our equal dignity and rights. And then the last, third thing is vulnerability. It's not only the economics. It's not only the race, but it's also our vulnerability. That's what happened with the, the, with, with the nuclear capacity. What's the difference between Korea and Libya? Libya gave up its nuclear capacity, right? Then it couldn't speak from a position of power anymore, right? And they ran in there, destroyed everything, right? And put back old retrograde practices in there. You know, I mean, it's just rough. And then, of course, look at North Korea. I mean, they can talk what they want about North Korea. They haven't run over there. And they can say what they want about Russia. They haven't run over there. So the reality is the vulnerability. And that's why we come back again to organizing the masses into an unstoppable force. Self-conscious agents of their own life, their own struggle, their own history and culture. And so I think it's very important for us not to erase one, to include the other, but to never forget we are pressed as a people, not simply as an economic venture. Okay, my brother, we'd like to thank you for your participation to this year, African Liberation Day, Palestine Day month. And um, we wish you much success in your endeavors and continue to make your contribution to your people and to humanity, and we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you, my brother. Yes, and could I just say something in closing? Yes, you can. Are you there? Yes, we are. Okay. So, yeah, I, I just want you said be short. Is that what you said? Yes, go ahead, sir. Okay, yes. Just I'll just sum up by saying this is our duty to know our past and honor it, to engage our present and improve it, and to imagine a whole new world and to mm, forge it in the most ethical, effective, and expansive way. And this too, black people, continues to struggle. Keep the faith. Hold the line. Love and respect our people and each other. Practice the Nguzo Saba, the seven principles. Seek and speak truth. Do and demand justice. Be constantly concerned with the well-being of the world and all in it. And there help rebuild the overarching movement, the overarching movement that prefigures and makes possible the good world we all want and deserve to live in 
and leave as a legacy worthy of the name and history African. Asante, thanks so much. We thank you, my brother. You're listening to Africa on the Moon. We're working in conjunction with the All-African Peoples Revolutionary Party, GC, as well as with the National Council of Arab Americans, led by Brother Jafar Jabari. Matter of fact, our brother was scheduled to be with us today, but an emergency came up in some events that took place in Beirut that has to divert his attention to that particular issue. But, of course, he gives his love and solidarity to this institution, to this organization, and like always, the Palestinian African people, we stand together. And speaking of that, what we're going to do right now, we're going to play a little bit of music, which is a cultural expression from the youth, how to use hip-hop, how to use rap to articulate, articulate their thoughts and their feelings. We're going to play this particular music when we come back. We're going to have with us another guest we invited, Brother Emote Asante. He's the organizer for the Black Star, for the African Black Star of Jamaica. He'll be back making his contribution to this year's African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. We'll be right back this year's Africa on the Moon. Passport Rev. Malcolm on Twitter featuring Napoleon the Legend. What if Martin had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man, I wouldn't want to hear it This integration been disintegrating Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation His last speech got him assassinated Black business was booming, it wasn't just a consumer Controlling our narrative, we have more marriages And see what the damage did, they ain't that bad a bitch And welfare did it's way worse than the slavery I'll never be an agent, I don't care what they pay me Seemed like Nip had the same old story If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory Like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was the mystery Supremacy and go the extent to keep their history alive All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive Who be on the internet trying to divide? And use a hotel hustler Trying to fear people of that low vibe structure Agree to disagree and we ain't gotta tear our own down Argue in silence or forever be our own down All I wanna say is that we're giving it away Soul ain't for sale and the devil is a fake Argue with the silence, but don't let it steal our faith Right behind doors, but don't ever show our face Cause if mom had Twitter, Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Cause if mom had Twitter, and Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Sometimes the key to life you're looking for be right in front of you Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new I said, what if we've been lied to, most of our freaking lives Every year coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right Your arrogance precedes you What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said most of it's basic Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me A man lay dead in the street today I must have bumped my head And landed in 1940 or something, I swear And all I have 
lavish love and joy to give I need to spread my wings I need to fly away I wanna get high today Who got five on my little bundle of temporary? Man, I wanna live long enough to be legendary Your statistics said by now that I'm gonna be dead and buried But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already And I'm march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose Two different tribes and we fighting the same person Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us Cosmic companionship sustained me After my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength to make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man laid dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head. And landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. That's the youth speaking and rapping. At this point in time, we're going to bring in one of our allies. We have a brother out of Jamaica, Imate Asante, organizing for the African Black Star. We'd like to bring him in. Yeah, it's a message of solidarity for this year, African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. Brother, tell us what's going on down there in Jamaica. Welcome to Africa and the World, Brother Imotet. Yeah, fraternal greetings to each and every one. We are bringing you greetings and salutation and, you know, solidarity from the island of Jamaica, Kingston. I am Imotet Pashanti, you know, um, currently a chairman of the National, of the um, Central Committee of the African Black Star, Jamaica. I would like to thank Brother Lee for inviting us. And I would also like to acknowledge our elders who have laid the foundation and, you know, who have showed us the way. Well, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge Brother Bob Brown, Brother Bambose Shango, Brother Mwalimu Keita, and also Brother Lee, and many others, you know. So we thank you once more for inviting us. Are you able to hear me? Yes, we can. We can hear you. Excellent, excellent. Well, currently, the African Black Star in Jamaica has been, you know, undergoing some challenges. Basically, we're in a process of restructuring and doing our best in engaging the youth and raising political awareness among our people. And currently in Jamaica right now, we, there has been strikes after strikes, you know. We have endured a strike from the National Water Commission where the whole of the island, the water system was shut down, you know. And then 
also the from the ear control officers for they are so in Jamaica they couldn't be no flight coming in not leaving the island and you know and all these things nobody could not point fingers at us to say we have incited the strike in any way or form although the forces within the neo-colonial system have been discouraging the people from associating with us because they are saying our only agenda is to overturn the system and to cause rebellion and revolution of which well we cannot say they are wrong in saying that but um we have not in no way or form influenced the strikes but you know it's just a time that the people right now you know people are standing up and we have that strong hope and strong belief in our people that the people will rise up one day and to completely destroy this backward system so we thank you once more again for you know having us in your program thank you thank you thank you okay, okay. and brother in terms of your organization, the African Black Star, for people who would like to maybe find out more information and how they can support it, what would you say? Well, um, you can currently, like we say, we are undergoing a restructuring process, but I um, I can be rich at um, plus one 1-876-863. One seven three one. Okay, my brother. On the note, we'd like to thank you for being in solidarity with the AAPRPGC as we celebrate the long history of 64 years of African Liberation Day and 74 years of Palestine and Lockmark Day. We thank you very much, my brother, and give our greetings to our brothers and sisters in Jamaica. We thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. And in ending, we would like to say, advance, advance to victory. Let Africa be free under the might of the red, the black, and the green. We thank you. All right. Thank you, my brother. Well, you've been listening to various organizations and movements from around the world, sharing their time, their energies, their expertise, with the All-African People Representative Party GC today as we continue to celebrate our long African history, African Liberation Month. And what we want to do right now is just make a few statements and share some information about some upcoming activities that is being organized for you. And you may want to take your time and get a pen and piece of paper. And we can go down the list and just share some of the upcoming activities that the APLBGC will be hosting and sponsoring for the remainder of this month. There will be a, a webinar. There will be a webinar dealing with the history of, of the AID 1972, 
1922. That's the history of African Liberation Day. 54 years to struggle. That's be a, a seminar on that. If you get a chance, that will be Saturday, May 21st. That will be from 11 to 2 p.m. Go to our website and check out that particular event. The next event on Sunday, May 22nd, there will be a Revolutionary Women Women in Struggle program. We have various revolutionary organizations of women coming in to talk on the theme, the role of women in Revolution Today. The role of women in Revolution Today. That, again, will be Sunday, May the 22nd from 12 to 3 p.m. Again, check the AAPRPGC um, web, webpage for this information. Also, on Tuesday, May the 24th, there's a program on repression industrial complex. That program will take place from 7 to 10 p.m. Again, the title or the topic for that program is Pan-Africanism, yes, U.S. African, they don't know. U.S. out of Africa, Guantanamo, Cuba, and Shannon Airport, Island. And there will be a, also an issue with political prison movement. They've been out Tuesday night, May 24th. Be right here on this station, Africa on the Move, from 7 to 10 p.m. we also like to share with you on Thursday, May 26th, that will be a student youth program. That will be, again, Thursday, May the 26th. The time will be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Again, that program also will be here on this station, Africa on the Move. And on Friday, May the 27th, there will be a webinar by APRBGC as they talk about and address the issue of Pan-Africanism and Socialism in the 21st century. The topic, 21st Century Socialism and Moving Forward. That's from 7 to 9 p.m. Make sure you check that program out. And on the 28th of May, Saturday, from 11 to 2 p.m., that will be African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. Again, that's Saturday, May the 28th, from 11 to 2 p.m. Uh, there will a host of liberation movements and organizations will come to speak to you, talk to you about the present condition and flight of their movement and how it relates to you and our people. So check that out on Saturday, May 28th from 11 to 2. That also will take place on this platform called Africa on the Move. And last but not least, you heard someone talk about the, the, the brother Bob Brown and his dedication, his commitment, his brilliancy of being an African freedom fighter. Yes, we'll get a chance to hear this brother speak and tell some history that you probably never heard before. History of enlightenment, history that's going to energize you, history that's going to make you realize that we must begin to organize for our people and fight for a free, united, social Africa. Yes, Brother Bob Brown will be speaking to the community on the history of African Liberation Day, 64 years. That will take place on Tuesday, May the 31st. From 7 to 10 p.m., right on this station, Africa on the Move. So those are some of the events that's coming up that are being organized by all African peoples, Revolutionary Party GC. And make sure you go to our website and check them out. That's www.a-aprp-gc.org. Also, we have some revolutionary greetings and 
greetings that has been sent to us by different revolutionary forces. I'll stop for a second. I thank Brother Anthony. You have a revolutionary statement that you would like to read to our audience. Brother Anthony, the mic is yours. Thank you, Brother Africa. I would like to read uh, this uh, statement from Haiti Action. Uh, uh, let's see. It is from uh, Sister Shirley Pate, and uh, it reads as follows. Haiti Oye sends revolutionary greetings and congratulatory riches, wishes on the occasion of African Liberation Day to the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, G.C., and the All-African Women Revolutionary Union, G.C. Further, we extend our firm solidarity to our Palestinian brothers and sisters upon the commemoration of Napa. In addition, we take this occasion to honor and express our solidarity with indigenous peoples around the world. The struggles for African, Palestinian, and indigenous liberation are hallmarked by tremendous courage and unyielding perseverance. These movements have shown time and again what people organized to fight liberation struggles can accomplish and serve as sterling examples to inspire others who follow in their wake, including our own organization's efforts in Haiti. It is an honor to be included in African Liberation Day, not bar program. We remain conscious and purposeful solidarity with these struggles and stand ready to act whenever and however needed. Shirley Pate, Haiti Oye, May 14th, 2022. Okay, we have a statement for a Haitian, Solomon. He's with the Arab Bad Party and reads, Dear Lee Robinson, on the occasion of the African Liberation Day and Palestine Day, we send our greetings and solidarity and through you to our comrades, brothers, and sisters in the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Our unity and struggle against the dark forces and imperial powers will continue to shine, shine our path to victory. On behalf of the Arab Party, we stand in solidarity with you and wish all the success for all the work you do. So we'd like to thank our brothers and sisters for those solidarity statements. And that's one announcement I would like to make on behalf of the station, African on the Move, in conjunction with the African Awareness Association. We'd like to invite all, all progressive revolutionary Brothers and sisters, come and join us as we partner with the African Awareness Association. They'll be taking their annual travel challenge tour to Cuba from July the 23rd to 31st. They'll be visiting three cities, Guantanamo, Santiago, and Havana, in a one-week span, leaving for Cancun, Mexico. If you would like to come, please write the African Awareness Association to a Gmail. And special interests are coming, and they will get back in touch with you and give you the necessary information to come on this important trip. Again, that's a, a travel challenge tour to Cuba from July the 23rd to the 31st, 
leaving from Cancun. We'll be going to see Cuba for ourselves and giving our solidarity to our brothers and sisters and thank them for all they have done for Africa, African people, all the humanity. Come and join us. So those are our statements and announcements for right now, what we're going to do right now. Brother Anthony, we would like for you to talk a little bit about what is the AAPIPGC. Uh, you've been putting on splitting shows for the last two weeks and got a couple more weeks to go. Uh, talk to the all African people, Revolutionary Party GC. Certainly. The All African People's Revolutionary Party GC is an independent mass Pan-African political party. Our objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. We are guided by our ideology in Krumism Toryism which was uh, founded uh, through the work, practices, teachings, and lessons left by Osashifo Kwame Nkrumah, the first uh, prime minister of Ghana, Ahmed Sekou the first president of Guinea, and uh, Kwame Toure, uh, who was a student of... Uh, Asashifo Kwame Nkrumah and Ahmed Sekoutere, and a staunch Pan-Africanist, and uh, we be, and uh, our ideology is, again is based upon the work, writings, practices, and teachings of uh, of the three of them, and uh, we are. Uh, uh, we, we are opposed to all forms of exploitation of one human being by another, uh, such as uh, Zionism, imperialism, capitalism, neocolonialism, racism, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the oppression of women. So uh, you know we uh, you know we're against all, all of those things, and we're for uh, uh, building a, a, an independent mass Pan African political party. And uh, our primary task today is to build this party, with the objective being achieving. Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. And uh, you've heard several examples today of uh, the work that people are doing around the world uh, to uh, fight against these systems that impede their liberation and their full expression of their humanity. So please, uh, I urge uh, everyone uh, that is listening and uh, those who may listen in the future to join an organization that is working for our people's liberation. And uh, you've heard numerous examples of various organizations today 
and, uh, you know, join uh, one of those. And if you don't find an organization that, that in your opinion, meets our needs, then, then form an organization of your own. Uh, but it is critical that all Africans be organized. Brother Anthony, one of the emphasis that the AAPIP places on the youth and students is that they say they are the spark. Can you talk about the value in terms of the role that the youth can have played as it relates to um, liberating our people? Certainly. Um, we have, uh, there are numerous examples throughout history of youth that have sparked our, uh, you know, revolutionary struggle uh, and, uh, and continue to do so. A couple of a- examples include uh, Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, Jr. Um, it is often overlooked that uh, that they were youth when they started uh, their participation in, in in our revolutionary struggle. And uh, let's see, and a couple of other examples from home are uh, France Fanon and Patrice Lumumba, and uh, they were uh, they were catalysts in our struggle against, uh, you know, all forms of oppression and for Pan-Africanism. So the youth have a very important role to play. Uh, they, they don't carry out revolution, only, only the masses of the people organized can do that, but they do serve as a spark of uh, revolutionary change and uh, our task is to educate, pol- politically educate our youth to play their role as sparks of the uh, African revolutionary process and play their role in their contribution toward achieving Pan-Africanism. You know, Brother it's important that people tell their own history. When you talk about the Institutional African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, um, most people may not know the, the role in the history that the AAPIP, AAPIPGC has played toward maintaining, developing, and expanding particular institutions. Can you talk a little bit about what makes up an African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, in terms of its content and makeup? Because we see a lot of people sure. doing it, but it don't. It doesn't have the same kind of, as they would say, flavor as the ones that are done by the AAPRP GC. Okay, um, I will start with um, the original purpose of uh, African Liberation Day. Uh, African Liberation Day was first called African Freedom Day, and it was originally commemorated on. April 15, 1958, at the conclusion of the first conference of independent African states, which was organized by the 
convention People's Party of Ghana under the leadership of Pasashifo Kwame Nkrumah. And uh, as Brother Maurice Carney pointed out, uh, Patrice Lumumba was one of the participants in this uh, conference. So uh, the purpose of African Liberation Day is to mark the onward progress and struggles of achieving Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. And uh, we have been organizing African Liberation Day commemorations and Palestine Day commemorations for 46 years, starting in 1976, when we fought against the forces that were trying to take African Liberation Day away from Africa and uh, focus on other issues other than Pan-Africanism, we uh, took uh, control of African Liberation Day and said, take African Liberation Day back to Africa. And since that time, we have been organizing African Liberation Days annually for 46 years. This year, we decided to dedicate the entire month of May toward organizing various African Liberation Day, Palestine, not by day, activities in order to uh, mark uh, the achievements uh, and progress of these two revolutions and also to encourage people to get organized and politically educate ourselves about our history and uh, and, uh, the role that we have to play in our struggle. And also that, uh, that uh, you know, wherever oppression exists, it is a barrier to the African revolution. And uh, so we work with our uh, friends and allies in order to commemorate this day and dedicate ourselves to fighting against all forms of exploitation, which are impediments to Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. And we work with other organizations, uh, some of which you heard from today, in order to achieve scientific socialism. Talk a little bit about Go ahead, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, Brother Anthony, send your statement. No, I was going to say that that is the only correct economic system uh, for the masses of humanity. You know, we find a propaganda wall, and always the enemy constantly says the same things over and over again, even though they are lie. But they say it so much because they want to begin to believe it. So when we know the truth, we most definitely must say the truth over and over again. Now, in terms of saying that, 
can you give our people a little more better understanding of exactly when you say pan-Africanism, socialism, what entails those two concepts? Certainly. Uh, Pan-Africanism is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Scientific socialism is an economic system uh, in which the people are in control of their resources and uh, and uh, all the resources of society are available for the people's use and the and the well-being of the masses of the people are primary not uh not uh not resources controlled in the hands of a few people like capitalism and uh and uh would uh and uh socialism uh and a couple of examples of uh socialist uh societies are North Korea, Cuba, and um, Venezuela that are trying to build socialist societies in spite of uh, the economic and uh, uh, propaganda offenses uh, against these uh, countries. Now... When you talk about a revolution, that word scares people. Tell us what are we really talking about? Sure. We're talking about a change in society, in the way society is run. And um, capitalist forces uh, try to tell people that capitalism is the only way to go. That uh, that this exploitative system in which a handful of people control the resources of society is the only way to go. There is another way, and that is scientific socialism, which is an economic system in which people are primary, not capital or or money. But people are primary, and uh, and uh, the 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 wealth and resources of society are used to benefit the people. And in other words, uh, some of the features included in in socialist societies are, uh, let's see, uh, let's see, uh, public. Uh, education from peak from pre-k to uh collegiate level without any any additional costs on the individuals uh universal health care in other words health care that's available to all people regardless of their uh, occupation or status in society. Education, again, universal education, uh, which is free and uh, and available to everyone, uh, regardless 
of their uh, uh, ethnicity or uh, occupation or station in life. And also, uh, it, uh, it uh, you know, it, it, in, in terms of affordable housing, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and, you know, certain other features which, uh, some uh, which some capitalist forms try to, imi- try to imitate, but cannot fully implement implement, because uh, the exploitation of people's resources is primary under capitalism, not the well being of the masses of of working people. Yeah, brother Anthony, when we talk about a political organization. We also look at the political line of that organization, what is a path or a methodology that guides that organization to guide the people to a particular point where they want to reach. In that case, we want to reach our total liberation unification under the scientific social system. Now, when we talk about the political line, we also know that there are some very hard truths that we have to deal with in terms of knowing who are our friends, who are our enemies. The AAPIPGC has a history of understanding that the CIA and FBI are the enemy to Africa, African people, all the humanity. Explain to the people that why that's a necessity we have to deal with. We have to deal with that necessity because um, through capitalist propaganda, uh, People are confused about the role of the FBI and CIA in our communities. They're Asian, they're enemy agents of our communities. And, uh, and uh, that's something that no African, no justice-loving African should desire to emulate. And uh, they uh, they spread disinformation and uh, lies about their role primarily through uh, the educational system and the media, such as uh, movies, television shows, uh, control of uh, educational systems, etc. But his, but uh, a correct analysis of history shows that the FBI and CIA are enemies of humanity. And we also talk about this issue of Zionism, the role of Zionism. Can you talk a little bit of what is it and why Zionism is enemy to Africa, African people, and humanity? Sure. Uh, Zionism is a political movement that uh, that started in Europe with the first World Zionist uh, Conference in Basel, Switzerland in 1897. They are agents of the forces of imperialism. Uh, They... uh, uh, the the distinguishing feature of Zionism is its use of Judaism to justify its exploitation of uh, and 
and takeover of uh, of uh, Palestine and uh, domination in Africa. Uh, but however, it has uh, it, it it has no uh, interest other than its own interests. Uh, Judaism is an ancient religion that originated in Africa, and uh, and is totally incompatible with Zionism. And when we talk about this question of African unity, African liberation, Africa coming under one one home as one continent as one home, we gotta look at some of the forces that are presently operating in Africa against the interests of African people. What is the role of Africon? And why we should be concerned. Africom is the is the military arm of imperialism in Africa under the leadership of the US government and it should be uh and it should be eliminated because it uh it, it perpetuates imperial uh, imperialist and neocolonial domination of Africa which is against the interests and well-being of Africans everywhere. And uh, Africom uh, uh, needs to be dismantled because of its exploitation and perpetuation of African exploitation. And it's a drain on the lives and resources of Africans throughout the continent. Oh, I hear this all the time, and for some reason, we got to um, drill this in the minds and hearts of our people. There's a difference between organization and mobilization. Your party pushes the necessity for organization. Talk about the importance of that. Sure. And organization is important because our enemies are well organized. And uh, disorganized people cannot defeat organized enemies. So it's important that our people get organized. That is why we put emphasis on organization versus mobilization. Because uh, we want our people permanently organized and prepared to fight by any means necessary for our freedom. Mobilization in terms getting fired up for a moment, but it does not lead, but it, uh, but it, does, it is not a permanent solution to our problems. And it leads to reform uh, or at the end of the day as opposed to revolution. And uh, and it's going to take a revolution in order for us to gain our freedom and gain control of our land base, which is Africa, our only just homeland. And uh, we must, and in order to defeat an organized enemy, 
we need to work uh, with our friends who are struggling against the same enemy, uh, such as the Palestinians, the indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere, the indigenous people of uh, Australia, uh, uh, Papua New Guinea, and uh, New Zealand. And uh, wherever, uh, wherever uh, you know, uh, manifestations of imperialism find themselves, we must organize to fight against that. Okay, Brother Anthony, um, we'd like to thank you for being able to co-host this program with Africa on the Move under the banner of the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party, J.C., and the National Council of Arab Americans. We would like to give a shout-out and like to thank the brothers and sisters in spirit. I know they wanted to be with us, but they had some technical difficulties in terms of this communication problems. We'd like to give a shout-out to our brother, Hermel Winnegate of the West Papa National Authority of New Guinea. And we also like to give a shout-out to our sister, Celine Naya from Cameroon. She, too, been trying to reach us, but there's been some technical difficulties. But she's with us in spirit. So on that note, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today and sharing with us uh, African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, as we talk about this whole issue of generations of resistance, rebellion, and revolution. We deserve the right to return to Palestine, Africa, and all indigenous land. And 500 years of resisting imperialism aggression from Soweto to Wounini. National liberation is an act of culture. We would like to remind you again, please check our website. There will be an excellent program tomorrow, which will be May the 15th on Palestine. That will be from, 12 to no, from noon to 12. Please go on the website and check out that particular program. Register today. And also on May the 22nd, Sunday, there will be a revolutionary program for revolutionary women. That will be from um, 12 to 3. So go to the website and check out, all of the, check out all the programs that's coming up for this month under the AAPRP GC direction as they continue to celebrate African Liberation Month. Like always, this is Africa on the Move. You can catch us on a weekly basis on Sunday evenings. You can dial in at 323-679-341, or you go online at Blog Talk Radio and type in Africa on the Moon. Uh, it's a program where we speak truth to the powerless and the powerful, and we got to hear for you. Again, we'd like to remind you also to come and join us with the African Wedding Association as we take our tour at Travel Challenge to Cuba for the 23rd to 31st of July. Email African Wedding Association at African Awareness Association to at Gmail. And Brother Anthony, you got about two minutes. You'll find a call for the people come and support and build an AAPI PGC. What can they do? Yes. You can visit our website at www.a-aprp-gc.org. And uh, find out more information about the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, 
uh, our history, our political line, ideology, program, etc. Uh, our it, and you can find out more information about our ideology as well, which is in Kumism Terrorism. You can also call us at 202-246-4896. And on that note, Brother Anthony, I have to stop you. We're about to get cut off. Oh, shit. I'm just calculating by a minute. 